Hey everybody, welcome back. This is a podcast, the So Video Games Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Carlos Ranella. And this is the where we talk about all the games we're playing and uh, things either are new or old or just came out. Who knows? And I have a co-host with me who's also 50% of the show, and it's Brad Galloway. <laughs> you remember the 50% part. That's pretty good. <laughs> That's all it. I don't know what I was saying. Pretty good effort. Pretty good effort. I mean, we've only done oh, this like 200 geez. times, so I don't blame you for not knowing it. So not a big deal. <laughs> I really should, and I literally blanked. I have no idea what you say. <laughs> this is the 355th oh, episode. The number of the episode, yeah. Yes, we are at 355 today, folks. And as you can tell, Carlos stepped in uh, for shits and giggles to do the opening since we were having such a fun time having him do the other intros. Jeez. Uh, and I, that was fun. That was funny. I'm, I got tears in my eyes. I was laughing at it. So good, good job, man. <laughs> that was so off the mark. It's ridiculous. But uh, but you had heart. You had heart, and that's yeah. what counted. So here we are. It's the Soviet Games podcast. New stuff, old stuff, anything in between. It is September twenty fourth, two thousand twenty three. I am Brad, as I was just introduced. Carlos is here, uh, and Carlos puts seeds in his yogurt. That was the intro I had prepped. I guess I should oh, say it. It's okay. not going to be valid next week. You got seeds in your yogurt, man. I love the the chia seeds and the flax seed. I put all that in my yogurt uh, with the little crumblies on top, and it's great. You know, you can make a pudding just out of chia seeds just by themselves. Have you had that? No. Chia seeds are weird. Just we're gonna just diverge for a second here. They are weird, but they have great fiber, and I need that. So that's chia seeds. No, they're dope, dude. I have them all the time. Chia seeds. If you get them wet, they they put out a slimy exoskeleton or whatever. They they coat themselves in slime. Oh. Um, I don't know exactly how that works, but that's what happens. And so if you put a bunch of chia seeds in liquid, like let's say you put it in uh, like like a two percent milk, and you add some vanilla, and you put a bunch of seeds, all of a sudden, shabam, you've got like actual yogurt. Oh, my goodness. You know what? That's why they're great for fiber in your digestive system, because they're making like a gel. They are. They're gel-coated caplets oh once you get goodness. them wet. I'm going to co- constantly eat them now. They're so good, dude. I put them in oatmeal. I put them in yogurt. I put them in um, just about anything, and they're like mega healthy for you. So, yeah. 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 Anyway. Well, that's that's the name of this episode. Just ch- chia eat seeds. some chia seeds. Chia seeds. Welcome to the Chia Seed Podcast, folks. Nope. We are so video games. We are going to talk about video games, and we're going to get things kicked off. We have a lot to talk about today. I feel like today um, is going to be a good show because it's kind of a... Oh gosh, I don't want to say a homecoming. I feel like it's kind of like the 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 end result or the the end of a long journey that we've been on on the show. Mm. Um, we'll get to that when we get there. Uh, but it starts with cyber and it ends with punk, and we're gonna finally dig into that in a way that I know Carlos has been really wanting to talk about it for a while. I have not been able to until now. Yeah. Um, but we're gonna have that discussion at the end of the show. But before we get to that, let's do housekeeping, folks. Starting things off here, Carlos and I share a virtual living space divided down the middle with a strip of duct tape. His side, my side, things are a mess, and we're going to tidy up right here and right now. It's housekeeping. Carlos, what is on your side of the room, sir? Well, I guess it's on both of our uh, sides of the room. There's a couple things we share that are like right in the middle, straddling the the duct tape, yes. The one that's the biggest box that's in the middle is the one we didn't talk about last week, which we should have, which is Unity. We totally forgot. I can't believe we forgot to talk about the Unity fiasco. Unity fiasco. But uh, in general, I did a little deep dive on it. And if anybody doesn't know, you should know by now if you're following this podcast probably. But, um, you know, Unity changed their rules to basically make developers pay for when anybody installs a game. 
uh, which is crazy. But what's even more crazy is it goes back. It's retroactive. So if you've already sold a game and it's done really, really well um, and you never had to pay, now you have to pay for that game. Yeah. <laughs> That's nutsoid. Uh, but I think they're going to fix that, by the way. There, there's a couple updates to this story, and they said they're, you know, they got so much backlash that they might change some of it. But I just want to say this at the top. What thing uh, isn't really being talked about a lot is the person, that, that guy, I think his name is Riccatello or something from EA. Yeah, John Riccatello. Or he Rich, came Rich over Riccatello, yeah, yeah. To, to work on Unity, and he's, I think, one of the main reasons why this is happening. This because he's a money hungry guy, right? Yeah, like that's he, what he is. does. Yeah, I mean, he's like the business kind of guy or whatever. And as many people on Twitter, I follow a lot of developers, a lot of publishers, um, and you know the the, the backlash for this. <laughs> many people made the joke that Unity. I mean, talk about ironic because Unity was what people were feeling against Unity because if there was one thing that everybody decided was bad and they hated immediately, it was this. It's like Unity is in a lot of things, and for them to do something like this, which is such a huge monumental change. I mean, I don't, you know, we don't have to get into the nuts and bolts of it, but basically it well, we was... we just said it. That's the nuts and bolts right there. Sure, but I mean, like, drilling down even further to some of the minutiae. But, like, the, the bottom line of this, as they presented it initially was, it was going to cost so much for a per-install fee, which, number one, is insane, uh, that no one would ever make games because any money you'd make from a game would be immediately eaten up by the Unity fee. And everybody in the world was like, this is fucking crazy. Unity's fucking crazy. They're already making a shitload of money. Why are they doing this? And a million people were like, fuck Unity, and they're dropping it. And, I mean, that was like, they dropped a nuclear bomb on their own business because this was, like, insane policy, totally wide-sweeping, totally just out of hand, unreasonable. Uh, I guess they thought they owned video games or something. They thought they could do whatever they wanted, and everybody's like, fuck you. Yeah. So the, the Cult of the Lamb developers made that really cool image they put on uh, Steam. It was like basically like we don't like it here, <laughs> and oh, we don't yeah. like what's happening. So yeah, a lot of developers were very vocal about fuck fuck Unity. We're leaving. We're doing something else. A lot of people going to Unreal or something else. So I mean, talk about shooting yourself in the foot like multiple times both ways, and then you turn the gun up and blow your balls off like Unity catastrophic most boneheaded thing i've heard all year i think at the end of the year when we talk about like the year's biggest gaffes or the biggest mistakes this has got to be like if not number one top three of like most boneheaded fucking things all year yeah it's number one i mean you it's know, gotta it's, be it's about game development and how do you like you just said shoot your own um developers in the foot you know or in feet so yeah. anyways but i did hear just like yesterday that they're like okay fine we're not gonna do some of this like the retroactive thing, it's got. Well, go. I mean, that's crazy. Too late, though. Too late. Like you showed your hand. Like <clears throat> that just means they're going to do it later when they think they can get away with it. They're going right. to do it more quietly. They're going to sneak it in. <laughs> like you showed your whole ass right there, and so now people are like, "Yeah, fuck off, dude." But, no but way. can I can I uh, offer this up to the court, sure. if I may? Sure. The Riccatello guy, you know, it, businesses are run by a bunch of you know sometimes assholes sure and uh those assholes at the top make decisions for all the rest of the people right true true a ton of people at unity are awesome people uh, and they just oh, want yeah, to make sure, people sure. to make games so i'm just wondering if it's just mainly this motherfucker because if you remember i also did another deep dive at ea when he was at ea he wanted to charge people per bullet for this one game what yeah yeah i, I was like did that almost happen? Oh my god! So if, I, like, if that's this motherfucker, then let's just like call it like it is, and maybe it's just this douchebag and get him out of there. 
I mean, if Unity wants to save this, I mean, talk about Jesus pouring gasoline on yourself and lighting a match. If they want to turn this around, which I, I think they've done some severe damage already, but they'd have to like really publicly like fire. I don't know if it's him, but if it is him, yeah, fire that guy. Whoever's responsible for the shit, fire them publicly. Yeah, tar and feather them, send them out of town on a rail, and then you got to like mea culpa like to infinity, and then maybe you get some people back. But like they need to like it's got to be more than just a tweet saying, "Oh yeah, we were hasty." Like that is not going to cut it. No, I think it's getting rid of someone who made that decision. Yeah, that's have that's to. a really good have way to. to do it. Yeah, have to. All right. Anyways, that's all we have to say about that, but yes. it's stupid. We all agree on that, obviously. Yes, yes, yes. Um, and then, obviously, the bigger news, almost, was that Xbox leak that we didn't cover, I don't think, yet. Not yet. I think it happened right after the show we recorded last okay. time. It was. I think that's why we didn't cover it. But go ahead. Well, recap, Carlos. I recap. have only a few things I want to break down. There's a lot that came out of it. Essentially, what it was, I'm sure, again, if you're not under a rock, uh, you know about this, is that during their whole acquisition talks, Microsoft with you know Activision Blizzard dis, uh, discussion, um, these documents were given to the, what is it? The, what's that It was some kind of a court, like it was some kind of a court proceeding, wasn't it? Yeah, I'm trying to think what that's called, but it doesn't matter. And in that proceeding, there was these documents. This is from 2020, I guess. So it's, it's a little while ago. But those documents basically got leaked. Uh, I heard someone say it was an Azure drive. Which because is, Azure is so be secure, hilarious. Yeah, yeah that'd be funny. Um, and so some of the stuff was games, so it showed like a roadmap, all of which probably changed. You know, people are like, "Oh, this is exactly what they're going to do." It's three yeah. years ago. I'm Plans sure change every six yeah. months, dude. Yeah. But they did show Fallout Three and Oblivion Remaster, which is cool. Um, I know I don't think you'd play those, but I probably would. I do probably you, wouldn't go back. I do like Fallout Three. I liked it back in the day, but I don't know that i would go i don't know if i'll go back either too but no that was after starfield weirdly enough yeah, um, yeah we'll get to that doom year zero it was a new doom game and and there was other you know games like new ips and stuff sure but it didn't really like that didn't shock me in any way i was like yeah of course roadmap the stuff that shocked me which has shocked a, a few other people one something not super shocking though i just said it is that you know nintendo uh, microsoft said they wanted to buy nintendo uh, they tried to do that a long time ago. Yeah. And we've well, talked which, about which it. Which is ludicrous, dude. They're never going to buy it. Yeah. It's stupid. But by, but some of these statements, I, I just thought I wrote down because this is kind of the whole overarching feeling that I felt from this leak, which is the kind of the gall that Microsoft has to like just try to buy up everything. And especially Phil Spencer, who's always paints himself as the nice guy. And I'm not saying he isn't. Um, and he definitely has done like a lot of positive things. But some of these statements are just weird. Like, uh, Xbox called the, uh, Nintendo the prime asset for us in gaming. The prime asset? What is he, an espionage? <laughs> and also, I, that's just weird. Also, they're not your fucking asset, dude. They're so. not your asset. Yes. And, and it's disrespectful to Nintendo. You know what I mean? And I don't know. Nintendo's like all about respect. It's crazy. And then here's the other one. Um, yeah, there it is. Getting Nintendo would be a career moment uh, and a good move for both companies. A career moment? Thinking about his own career? Yeah. And it would not be a good way. move. For, are you kidding me? Why, it would would it, not. why in the world be a good move for Nintendo? They do shit their own way, and they're, they live on a literal mountain of cash, dude. They've got, like, billions in cash. They're doing just fine. I don't think they need Microsoft for fuck all anything. No. Some other statement was something like, I, I want Nintendo to understand that the future of their company is off their own hardware. And I was like, that's also weird because don't you not want hardware, Microsoft? That's very presumptuous of them to say. It is, but they're like, you know, Microsoft's promoting the cloud and the idea yeah. of like, you don't even need a console. So 
the whole thing just rubbed me the wrong way. I don't know. What yeah. do you what do you think on that? I part? didn't. I I just very lightly touched on it, but I think I kind of. Um, agree in that so i guess i guess two things number one obviously some of this is dated so maybe things have changed since then and like we just said things change every six months whatever fine but like the 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 whole approach of this thing really kind of shows kind of a a weird deluded sense about microsoft like i like the xbox just fine it's my my primary ecosystem right now so i'm definitely on the xbox camp but them to kind of approach it in this like big business uh, monopoly way, the same way that they approach their their computer business is really um, ill ill fated and um, ill conceived. And to think that they were going to do all this stuff when they don't even have their house in order, right? There's a lot of stuff within Microsoft already that needs to be fixed, that needs to be um, taken care of. And the, for them to think like oh, we're just going to keep buying the stuff and and mm -hmm. approaching this like this amoeba like cancerous growth over the industry when you can't even run your shit properly. That's true. Is just like man, how, you get yourself square first, and once you start popping on all cylinders, then maybe we can talk. But even so, I wouldn't want a monopoly because monopolies just bring bad things for everybody, right? Yeah, like and, it's bad and, for business. And again. What are you smoking that you think Nintendo's going to give you the fucking time of day to buy them out? Are you fucking kidding? Yeah. Are you literally kidding? It's insane. Well, it wasn't just Nintendo. It was Warner Brothers, and there was other companies mentioned in that. But again, like you said, it's like get your house in order before you start buying up all these companies. Yeah, yeah. You can't even – like look at – um, what's it called? Um, what's the – Redfall. I mean, know? yeah. I mean, and just like, look at – I don't know. Yeah, I mean the the Fable stuff, the Redfall stuff, debatably the Starfield stuff. The I mean, Halo, I think Halo being gone. Yeah, I mean everything they've bought and ever since they've been kind of like trying to reorganize their studios has been kind of a disaster, dude. They haven't really come through with any strong studios. They keep like moving people around and taking studios down and reassigning people and it's just like they their corporate side is fucking up the game side and those two things are not getting along well. So for them to say like we're gonna we have this plan we're gonna take over is like dude like will you please take care yeah. of your own house first please it leaves a bad taste in your mouth yeah. um and the other thing that like just to finish that up is um yeah someone some document somewhere showed them like talking about buying shares to like you know influence board of directors and that felt like that same thing like what are yeah. you doing uh and then the last thing i'll, I'll say about that is that said this is the quote earlier i was going to read is i can fairly safely say that if we do not make progress more progress than uh, this off of the console, we would be exiting the gaming business, which was talking about Game Pass and uh, how they wanted to get a certain number of subscribers or whatever. Sure. Um, just thought it was interesting. Like, we're going to leave the gaming business. I mean, they've been saying that for a while, though. I know that they initially looked at this Xbox thing in general as kind of a side, a side larf. Um, but I think it's, I mean, again, that kind of shows their idiocy, right? Because it's a solid thing. It's a moneymaker if you run it properly. If you manage the games and studios and got in touch with what gamers actually wanted, that would be great. But instead, you're talking about like this takeover stuff. I mean, and, and I think Game Pass is great. I think it's something that can really leverage more than they have been. Um, you know, me sitting on the couch being the, um, you know, the armchair quarterback or whatever. But I think most people would agree that Microsoft has been stumble fucking a lot of things. And I don't know. Whatever. If they want to get out of the business, get out of the business. That's fine. There's other people in the business. But yeah. it just seems like... It seems like the people who are talking are maybe not the people who should be talking. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, anyways, that's it. I don't. I mean, there's more mm -hmm. stuff that came out about who cares. I just thought the whole feel just felt weird to me. And again, I want competition too. I don't want just Sony to win. And I don't believe in this console war bullshit either. Yeah. Um, but I just want <clears throat> them to do better, I guess. And also, I want Fable now that you mentioned it. Ugh. I actually want that. I don't, I don't want that. 
Uh, anything else? What else you got? Um, okay, smaller news, smaller boxes. One, uh, Dragon's Dogma 2 is shown off. Yeah. Uh, video preview. Did you watch it? Did not watch it, but I don't have to watch it because I'm, I'm in. I'm You're just in. in. I'm in. The, I'm, I'm in except one thing. So I watched a video preview. I think it's IGN or something. Uh, forgive me if it's GameSpot. I don't remember. Um, but it's up there. People got to play it for like an hour or so. And, um, you know, the pawns are back. It's essentially Dragon's Dogma. So which, like, is, which is totally fine with me. Which is totally fine with me, too. Uh, you jump on enemies. You know, it's a kind of a, got a Monster Hunter vibe. When there's big enemies, you can jump on them and attack like them. Monster Hunter plus Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah. Which is a good combo. And then the pawn system's back, which is almost identical, it looks like, which essentially is you have these AI companions, and they, like, uh, can do stuff for you, and also you can send them off into the internet so they can be on other people's games, which is weird. Yeah, yeah. And if you never played Dragon's Dogma, it's more than just AI companions. It's too long to get into now, but it's like a dope-ass system that nobody has copied since then, and I'm yeah. glad to see it come back. That's true. No one's copied it. Uh, and this one, though, it seemed like their companions, their pawns, were like leading them to different areas on the map. I don't know if my mind did that in the first game. No, they get, they would tell you about a place when you got there, but I don't think they would lead you I don't there. Think but they when did you either. got to a place, they gave you hints, but I think you had to get there on your own, I believe. Okay, and two, they were like, you know, the, the reviewer was watching uh, the pawns run around, and they were like, come over here. And they like brought them into a dungeon, and I thought that was super cool. Okay, that's I'm dope. Like, I'm yeah. down. I'm down. The only con and i guess i didn't remember this is what is my middle name when it comes to action rpgs dodge roll yeah uh what is uh dragon's dogma 2 not have none none no dodge roll it says the only dodging you get is by your vocation so the new system is if you're a thief you have a certain vocation move mm. and if you're a fighter you have a vocation move and so there's no uh, like overall dodge roll Interesting. I don't. Huh. That scares me. And well, it means you usually I have to play be a like a melee barbarian anyway, so I'm guessing those guys would probably have it. I, no, I don't know. no. My point is, I listen, and the guy who reviewed it said that the fighter didn't have one. Really? Yeah. Hmm. Maybe there's some other. Maybe there's some other class. I'll, I'll reserve judgment because Dragon's Dogma is like one of those really cutting edge experimental like cult classics and i feel like there was a lot of material there that the game industry missed out on because it never got a sequel it never got developed so i'm i'm here i'm i'm with open arms my pre-orders in they can have my money it doesn't matter what it is i'm ready to take it on so i'll, I'll just see what happens i'm i'm into you know what i mean like i'm in i just that was a weird side note i was like am i gonna play a thief because I, I have maybe, a sidestep though. Maybe it'll make sense when you play it. I don't know. Who knows? Who yeah. knows? We're, we're in, though, and I'm excited. I'm in, for sure. And I have yeah. no idea when it's coming out, by the way. I don't. Is it this year? I don't know. No idea. Probably right. not this year. And lastly, but not leastly. No, lastly and leastly. <laughs> <laughs> Has anyone ever said that? Uh, you just did. I just noticed uh, before this podcast started that Tomb Raider 1 through 3 is being remastered and it's out mm -hmm. soon. Mm -hmm. What? I saw that, yeah. I might pick it up. What's wrong with me? <laughs> I am very excited for this to come out. Um, really? Because I really love those old games. I, well, yes, but not for the reason you think. Oh, okay. What uh, is I am very excited for this to come out because people who are Tomb Raider fans today, most people, unless you're old like we are, you have no fucking idea how hard those old games were and how open worldy 3d puzzly difficult they were mm -hmm. people are used to the modern Lara Croft where it, like a lot of it's on rails a lot of it's automated it's pretty flashy you know maybe a little bit more story focused than in the past but if you go back to those old games dude those are a whole different fucking beast where Lara Croft is in the middle of a tomb figure it out bitch right and then you're just walking around like 
Here's a switch one mile away from this other switch. Are these connected? I don't know. Do I need to climb in this cave? I don't know. Where is you like like it's they're so crazy. I finished them all. I played them all and finished them all. And I I have affection for them as a product of their time. But boy, if they haven't changed the gameplay and they just did the graphics, I bet a lot of people are in for a pretty rude awakening. It's almost like I don't know which one I want more because I kind of would like them to be difficult and just show people, like you said, like this is what the game started as. Yeah. Um, but you can see better. The other thing you didn't say is that, you know, the polygon style, you know, really pixelated polygons. The super pointy polygons. Were yeah. hard to see. And so not only were we lost, but it was hard to see where we were going. Yeah. You know what I mean? For some, sure. It's rough. They were rough. They looked they were rough. rough. Yeah, for sure. So I think that's why they did it. But I looked at some of the screenshots and I was like, yeah, I can see everything that's happening. So Which maybe it'd nice. be easier, you know? Seeing things in a video game is definitely a plus in my book. Yeah. Tomb Raider Remastered. I'm going to pick it up. It's like 20 bucks. I don't know. Yeah, I'm go getting for it. it. Go for it. That's all I have. What's your side of the room? Um, okay, so let's see real quickly. Uh, Resident Evil 4, which I haven't gotten to yet. Uh, I need to get to it. Did you play Resident Evil 4, the remake this year? Uh, did I? I don't think you probably did. You're not usually a Resident Evil guy, are you? You're I'm not. not, but um, I think I did try the remake. Yeah, I tried it for a second. It it just, was, there was okay. a demo, I think. Yeah, yeah, there might have been a demo. It was done well. I will I will get to it. It's weird because I was just talking to some folks and people are like, how come no one's talking about Resident Evil 4 as best of the year? And it's like, well, there's been a lot of really good games this year. And also Resident Evil 4 was already a pretty dope game. So just kind of putting a little more polish on it, I don't think has captured people's imagination the way that some of the other recent Capcom remakes have that have been like more of a drastic remake, you know? Yeah. So, I mean, whatever, whatever. Still a great game. I still got to play it. Uh, I think I bought it, but I just haven't even touched it. But the reason I bring this up is the the much-awaited DLC is now available separate ways, starring everyone's favorite super spy, Ada Wong. So oh, she's yeah. back in the game. Uh, there's some mercenary stuff that's in there. I forget what else is in, but you know, everybody who was like, where's Ada? Where's Ada? Well, here she is. They just needed to get a couple more bucks from you. And she has made her appearance. So if you want some Ada Wong in your Resident Evil, and I don't know anybody who doesn't, myself included, then you can pick that up and check that out. Oh, uh, wait, hold on. More what? direct. Um, I forgot to say that more directs happen and we're not going to talk about them, but uh, 505 Games, Tokyo Game Show, like tons of stuff happened. Yeah, like it's, it's too much, dude. It's I too can't. much, so I we're can't. not we're not going through it. Yeah, whatever. It happens. Stuff happened. Look it up if you want. That's Look it up. Um, you know, we talked last week about a couple of games having trouble and studios having trouble as well, and that's kind of going this week as well. Evil Dead, the asymmetrical multiplayer online game. Just did you play Evil Dead the new one? I didn't. Pl- I didn't. I didn't play, play it. it. I love Evil Dead to death. Like the actual movies. But yeah. No. Same. Same. Big Sam Raimi fan. Big fan of Bruce Campbell. Evil Dead. The whole thing. Movies. But um, this was like one of those kind of a Dead by Daylight sort of a oh totally online yeah kind of a thing. Uh, they just announced that they are no longer creating any more content and will not be supporting it anymore. So that's effectively dead. They said on the plus side, servers will still be up for now. For now. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this is the writing is on the wall, dude. Like, this wasn't, you know, it wasn't going anywhere. They're not making any money off it. So they're shutting it down. So if you want to play it, you better get in now because it's going to be going away soon. And it kind of just goes back to, I guess, the whole feeling for me of like, you can't just, you know, th- some of these games are really tough to catch on. And I think you're kind of crazy to want to get in on that market. Like, Dead by Daylight was kind of a very unique case. Um, some of these other games that are kind of like these very particular um, online experiences, 
you know, like a Fortnite. Everybody wants to be the new Fortnite. Everybody wants to be the new Dead by Daylight when you're looking at horror. Like everybody, you know, once those leaders are established, I feel like, man, you've got a huge task ahead of you. You're better off doing your own thing, right? Yeah. And I know that, and I'm sure that everybody's like, well, this isn't exactly like that. Okay, sure, it's not exactly like that, but like it's close enough to where people who are playing Dead by Daylight are probably not playing Evil Dead because it's too close in the same bucket, right? Yeah, and again, you, yeah, just make something that's unique and even take a piece of it. Um, when I looked up asymmetrical game, because I, I keep hearing that and I know what yeah. they mean, uh, it just basically means there are two teams of players and they experience the game differently. Because exactly. they have different mechanics. Yeah. That's the asymmetrical part. Exactly. And a lot of times it's horror because it's easy to be like, there's a big monster or yeah. dinosaur. Monster, killer, whatever, Jason from Friday the 13th or something like right. that. Right. And that's why Dead by Daylight keeps doing well because they already had the formula. They were the first, too, one of the first. And then they like just put on new skins. Yeah. Because yeah. it's already the same game. But if you're like starting a whole new game, just take an idea of that and then make a new new game. You know, don't yeah. copy it in that way, I don't think. I mean, you're exactly right, dude. This is kind of the Monster Hunter dilemma, right? Where what I mean by that is somebody comes up with a new formula, they pioneer it, and then they make a bunch of content for it. And then anybody else coming to want to step to that is like, you can't match the amount of content that the leader already has. And as long as the leader's not fucking up, like as long as they don't nuke their own game in the way that Unity nuked their own business, they're going to stay ahead because it's it's like there's no way you can catch up, right? So like every Monster Hunter like that wants to be like Monster Hunter, it's like, okay, unless you've got a very interesting spin, Monster Hunter has like 20 years of content up on you. You're not going to come up with 20 years of like history and tradition and content that's going to pull people away, right? And same thing with Dead by Daylight. They've got so many skins. They've got so much... Um, marketing they've got like that the girl from the ring and they've got like all the major killers they've got their own little killers that they did in-house they've got guest stars i think they did some of that like um what's that show you like the um oh my god stranger things they've got the stranger yep, things stuff yep. like once you start getting that momentum it's almost impossible to pull people away from that and so you need something different like you need an idea a mechanic that's different enough not just dead by daylight in a different skin and people are going to randomly play your other game like it doesn't make any sense so i feel i feel bad for folks that feel like they're going to chase that um but i don't know here you go well so. don't feel bad just like we just said um listen to our advice which is just take yeah. a piece of that like so it's instead of two teams have it be four teams and each one experience something different okay that's already a way to change it or don't make it horror make it like a really interesting adventure game you know yeah, yeah. where it's like it's, it, there's a story and it's a campaign because so many, by the way, this is really the issue. So many of these asymmetrical games, there's no actual oomph to it, right? It's just go to a map and then kill. Like, exactly. That's it, like, right? where's the progression? What's the hook for keeping what's you playing? Hook? Like, what's the motivation? Right? Remember yeah. what the, the game that you love so much with the tower? Um, with one? the tower. Let it die. Let it die. Oh, right? yeah. Let it die. There's yes, the exactly. progression there or whatever. There's some sort of feeling of like you're doing better. I don't know. There's something. Yeah, it was. Yeah, and Let It Die's example, I mean, there was an endpoint. Like, you could roll credits. Like, there was a right, improving right. improving your character. You had places to go, new bosses. And then there was also the multiplayer aspect. But, like, there was a reason, there was a hook to keep it coming back, right? Which is interesting because Let It Die's sequel, Deathverse, yeah. went nowhere. I think they've already shuttered it because they, again, went down the multiplayer route. But there, where was the hook? They got rid of the hooks that they I had. I and they, they, they fucking tanked themselves, dude. We talked so. about it. I got it, and I played it for a while because I, I did like the style of it. I did, is, visual style. You know, yeah, it's great. Yeah. But yeah, there was nothing to hook me. So yeah. Anywho, anyway, there you go, advice. All right. Um, something really interesting, kind of games adjacent, but perhaps perhaps relevant later. Uh, are you familiar with the comic book Fables, Carlos? Yeah, of course. Yeah. Totally. Okay, so Fables. 
uh, from writer Bill Willingham is pretty pretty well known. It was originally a DC Vertigo comic, I believe, and it was about um, what if fairy tales were real people. Uh, like they started off in some alternate dimension. I think they eventually came to Earth or something. I read it for a long time. I didn't like keep going with it, but I read like ten or eleven of the graphic novels. I mean, me and my wife both really enjoyed it quite a bit. Anyway, the reason I bring this up is because Bill Willingham, the creator, was smart when he did dealings with DC, and he kept a lot of creative control. And what happened recently, they announced this just last week, was he got tired of getting fucked over by DC. He said he just got dicked over and dicked over, where they were not listening to his creative control, they were not paying him what he was due, they were cheating him out of his royalties, etc., etc. And he's like, I'm fucking sick of this, uh, I've had enough. Apparently he tried to work it out with them over a series of like years, and they just weren't having it. They just kept trying to snake him, and he got tired of it. So rather than uh, exhaust his money getting lawyers and going to court, he flipped DC the bird by turning Fables into the public domain. Oh, I didn't know he did that. Wow. He just did it last week. So you can't do anything with old Fable shit. Like, all the stuff that DC has, DC still owns. But... You can do whatever the fuck you want from now forward. So you can do fanfic, you can do games, you can do movies, you can do music, you can do books, you can do whatever the fuck you want with Fables because he gave it to the world. He put it in public domain as a way of saying, fuck you, DC, I'm sick of your shit. So that's kind of incredible um, because Fables is a big deal and it's not very often that we hear of a living creator because he's still alive, he's not dead giving their work their life's work to the public domain usually like we just had winnie the pooh after like what 100 years like went in the public domain and shakespeare has been in the public domain he's been dead for like whatever 600 years or whatever the fuck it is um but it's very rare we have a living person so the reason i bring this up why is this important number one that's just amazing he did that Mm -hmm. but number two the reason i bring this up is because i think there may be a parallel in video games with this so if there's a creator out there whose game is on a particular platform and that platform goes away. Or maybe there is some game that has been out of print for a long time that the fans want, but the publisher, I don't know, holds rights from 20 years ago and they don't want to let the rights go. Or if there's something like this that's kind of preventing a popular IP or a popular game from going back, I have to wonder, rather than having those rights tied up for infinity and people just never seeing someone's work, what if game developers, after a certain period of time, turn their games over to the public domain. Maybe that would be a good way to kind of support, you know, the archival research that we do, like the the preservation, mm. the historical aspects. So like, you know, let's say there's some NES game, who knows, whatever, NES game X, and Nintendo's not going to put it on their eShop. They don't want to sell it, but they don't want to let anybody else do it either. And of course, you'd have to think about this ahead of time, right? You'd have to make sure that you had your rights in place so that you could do it. But what if Game X was like, oh, okay, well, Nintendo doesn't want to publish our game and we're not making any money off it. Fuck it. Public domain and anybody who loved our game from back in the day can do something with it or use the characters or keep it alive somehow or, or at very least, um, you know, somehow preserve it. So I don't know if this is a thing. It's just a, a wild idea I had. But to see someone like Bill Willingham, who's really well respected, turn his like globally respected property into the public domain uh, because he loves the property and also hates DC, which I get. Um, I don't know. I think I think maybe there's something there for games. What do you think, Carlos? Yeah, I think there is. I think it's just unfortunate it'd be too piecemeal to pull off anything like of scope. You know what I mean? Like, you know, how many developers are working with publishers? How many of those publishers are going to let that happen? 
be, you know, they'd be like, no, yeah. no, no, we don't even want to publish your game then because if you want to own rights later, no, then no, thank you. The problem is the bigger publishers. You know? Oh yeah, oh, that's yeah. that's the issue. Um, so for smaller games and Steam games, they could probably do it right away. You know, yeah. they're like, hey, after ten years, or whatever, you can have this game to archive it. But I think it just comes down to being tricky when it when they get you know get distributed and stuff. Oh yeah. Um, by the way, Detective Comics stands or DC stands for Detective Comics. So technically, that's Detective Comics Comics. There you go. When you say DC, DC so fuck yeah. you guys. That's dumb. <laughs> you got a dumb name. Um, it's like, it's like the uh, re- the the RE engine from Capcom. People thought it was the uh, the Resident Evil or the Resident Evil engine, but no, it's the Resident Evil engine engine is what it's actually yeah. Called, so, which is which the- by the way, what is it? Um, the chai uh, the Grande. What's the coffee one from Spider Man? Oh, I don't know. I don't know. What you're oh my! Come on! Come on! Come on! The uh, when you call it um, oh the chai you're talking about the chai chai, chai tea is, chai, chai means tea. tea so you're saying tea tea or whatever. tea tea yeah, yeah yes the uh, the Indian Spider Man yeah yeah it was cool uh, anyway I know there's probably a billion problems with that happening but I but I just wanted to float the concept out there I like the concept a yeah. lot I'm not maybe Googling maybe that'll spark something with people who knows right yeah, yeah. um I, I got one more thing you got anything else Carlos um do I I feel like I did um, I thought maybe you did it seemed like you might have had something there. Um, I'm looking. I don't think I do. I think we're good. All right, no problem. Um, so my last thing is I wanted to circle back uh, to the Cosmic Wheel Sisterhood and give it an official So Video Game score. I just finished it uh, maybe like last week, but I didn't have time to talk about it earlier. Cosmic Wheel Sisterhood, coming from Deconstruct Team and published by Devolver. I've talked about it at least once or twice on the show before, so I'm not going to go into all the details. Uh, but I did finally wrap it. And I have to say, it's definitely one of my favorite visual novels of the year. Uh, if you missed those previous episodes, it's about a woman who is a witch, and she is exiled to a meteorite or asteroid that's like a million miles in space. She's in the middle of like nowhere in space. Uh, and she's an immortal, and she's trapped there, and she wants to get off the rock. And so she summons a Cthulhu-type dude to show up to give her some extra power and help her get off the rock. And from there, I'm not going to go into the whole thing, but basically it turns out to be kind of a semi-tarot card, semi-future-telling, semi-story about empowerment, um, about girl power, about um, you know doing things your own way. Uh, it was just kind of a really cool story. Very interesting very female forward, uh, very queer friendly. And I thought the art was fantastic. I thought the storyline was really interesting. I was very curious to see how this was going to turn out. I believe there are multiple endings too, depending on who you befriend and which decisions you make along the way. Um, and I just thought everything about it was really great. The tarot card stuff was really well done as well. Um, just to circle back for a second, these are from the same people who made Red Strings Club, which we talked about a couple episodes. Remember that, Carlos? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I think that this is... Um, a great move forward for deconstructing. They also made, I think it's called the gods will be watching the gods. will be. Watching. I'm pretty sure that's what that was. So I think that deconstruct team is a, a studio who has a lot of really awesome ideas, but I think that they have personally, my personal opinion, they have struggled to bring fun gameplay to match their fun ideas. So um, gods will be watching. We reviewed that. And I remember it was really hot or cold. Like I think people liked the idea, but hated the gameplay. We talked about Red Strings Club, where we thought it was awesome, but hated the gameplay. I didn't uh, say hated, me not hated, personally. but it was it was, it was not confusing. fun enough. It was a little it was tricky. confusing, yeah. tricky. We did not get along with the gameplay enough to want to engage in the good ideas that mm-hmm. we felt were there. Uh, but this is the first time I think where the gameplay matches the idea. 
it was um you know visual novel storytelling they had an aspect where you create your own tarot cards but it was quick it was easy and it was actually fun um because you could just put something together and make your own deck and that was really neat to go back and look at those um i feel like the choices happened really well i feel like um, everything was laid out really clearly it was just really 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 well done look great great story cool concept um, i had a wonderful time all the way through so i wanted just to circle back and put an official number on this one all right drum roll so for me and the soviet games podcast the cosmic wheel sisterhood gets a solid super solid 8.5 very respectable Ooh. one of my favorite visual novels of the year for sure nice and if you like this show i bet you will probably like this game and a good turnaround for you know like you said that the studio for deconstruct us. team yeah for In sure opinion, for sure yeah 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 and i feel like i feel like also not to tutor our horn or pat ourselves on the back although i guess i will um it just goes to show like we're really we're really about wanting to support people and do good things and if we find something that's not great we will come back and play their next game like we don't like hold grudges or anything mm -hmm. i mean we always want people to succeed and i'm really glad that this one is a banger because you know they clearly had some talent there and we just uh we're talent like it is we told it like it is in the older games we didn't like those this one i think it's great i love yeah. it so congratulations deconstructing congratulations 8.5 and 8.5 uh, check it out check it but out also to your point yeah like we, we there's no grudges and there's no console wars and there's none of that stuff on this show it's just like if it's interesting or fun to us, you know, and if it isn't, then we'll say that too. Yeah, for sure. For That's sure. it. All right. Um, that is it for the housekeeping. We're going to get on. Sorry, I read my script. Getting on with the main portion of the show here. Um, I was going to throw it to you, but I think it makes more sense if you're okay with it that I keep going because that way we will go back and forth in the way that we like to do. Are you okay if I start off, Carlos? I don't know. Now I i know i know it's kind of weird no, no i'm just kidding i don't care but also i have one note on mm. your um on one of the games you're going to talk about so uh i'm okay. excited to counterpoint one of your uh one of your reviews what's so what do you want to start with then let me start with days of doom this oh, is I coming don't know what that is okay this is coming from i believe it's putting out by atari i think they're publishing they're not the developers um days of doom is a 2d grid-based tactical roguelike so you can already know why i'm interested in this one i'm out uh, <laughs> carlos is out i'm out post-apocalyptic um story's not a lot there it's basically just like apocalypse happens you got to survive uh, oh cool i mean whatever but that's fine you don't really need a good story in a game like this it's this is all about kind of like the the structure i really like the artwork um the artwork is what caught my eye immediately kind of vaguely sort of reminded me of darkest dungeon a little bit i'm one of the biggest darkest dungeon fans and anything that's kind of in that wheelhouse is of interest to me um that's something that i feel like uh there's a lot of potential there that people haven't really tapped a lot of people have tried but it's really hard to follow in those giant footsteps but days of doom you start off the game with a couple survivors i think i had like a guy who's just got like a baseball bat big bruiser guy there's a girl who can somehow um, she's like an aquamancer where she does like water magic. And then there's a person who is like, a, I want to say she's like a tarot card user, kind of more of a defensive kind of person. Um, each person has like two skills, which is not very many. And you start off on this grid based battlefield. You're on the left side. Enemies on the right side. You start off with like regular zombies, like mutant radioactive zombies, kind of fallout style. Uh, but then there's also like lizard people. There's like the Mad Max Raider types. Um, there might be one or two more. I forget. But basically, you just kind of, you know, they move, you move, you take an action, they take an action. Combat resolves. Um, I like the graphics. I thought it was really cool. Uh, I like the style and the vibe. But I feel like this one falls pretty short of 
the goal. Basically, it's pretty shallow. Um, it's pretty shallow in that each character did not feel they had much depth to them. Um, I felt like I was doing the same attacks over and over and over, which I really was because you've only got like basically like a basic attack and a power attack, or you can like block. Um, and that's really all you've got. There are some roguelike things you can pick up like uh, one time use items or something, but those were like completely not an issue. And I don't really count on those things anyway, because you don't know when you're going to get them and you don't know which ones you're going to get. Some of them are bad, some are good. So I didn't really pay much attention to that. It wasn't really advantageous. Um, but basically, it's just like you, you know, turn by turn, attack, attack, attack. This this thing really goes wrong, I think, um, at, at its core. Uh, one thing that I want to talk about, if I can just take a step back for a second here. People don't understand roguelikes. I feel like very few people understand what makes a roguelike good. And I think something that's happened since Darkest Dungeon. Now, I do not blame Darkest Dungeon for this because they don't really do it in the same way that other people do. But I think people misunderstand what Darkest Dungeon was doing. So have you played Darkest Dungeon, Carlos? Yes. And also when you say people, you mean developers, I'm guessing. Other developers misunderstand yeah. mm -hmm. what, what Red Hook was doing. Okay, so in Darkest Dungeon, you have a town. Uh, there's like a, a hotel, a bar, doctor's office, like whatever, whatever, carriage house. And all of these things can be leveled up. Each one has a different effect on your characters. Each one has a different effect on gameplay. And that's like your largest progression. Even though you may lose individual characters, you, your town progresses. And then as more as the town progresses, things get better. You get better classes of characters. You get more weapons. You get more powers, etc., etc. Mm -hmm. That's great. I love that progression. Days of Doom tries to do that exact same thing, but they absolutely misunderstand how that worked. So the point of Days of Doom, you have the same characters and you're supposed to progress your town, but you there's no fun to the gameplay. Like there is no nuance to the combat. If you look at Darkest Dungeon, each character, there was like eight or ten characters or something, and there's probably even more since then that they've added. Each one had multiple powers. Like, you you got to choose, I think, maybe four powers, but everybody had like 16 total or something. So even if you had two of the same character, they could be wildly different. Like, you had a jester. One could be like really focused on attack in the back row. One could be really like a healer. Same character, but like totally different function. Mm -hmm. And the, the minute to minute gameplay of Darkest Dungeon was what kept it exciting. You liked going on those runs because you could see how the characters interacted with each other. Not even to mention where you put them in the line actually changed what their powers were. Oh, I so, remember that. Yeah, 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 right? Yeah. So there was a lot of nuance to Darkest Dungeon. There is none of that nuance here in Days of Doom. The characters, it doesn't really matter where you put them. They might get like a 10% bonus if somebody's standing next to somebody, but that's as far as it goes. It doesn't change their powers. It doesn't change how you control them. And because there's nothing really complicated about their combat, you just end up doing the same combat over and over. And what the game boils down to is you're grinding for resources in order to build up your town in order to finally get some variety in your gameplay. Uh, so it makes it, a different type of game by just <clears throat> the, what you just described. Yeah, it's like they're trying to do Darkest Dungeon, but they just do not understand why Darkest Dungeon was good. They just don't. And it's not about grinding. It's about having the interesting combat, interesting character choices, interesting interplay of different elements. This is like really, really straightforward and simple, and they just want you to grind and grind. Yeah. I, I, I played, oh man, I want to say at least two hours of it. And in two hours of basically playing what felt like the same battle over and over and over i like no appreciable progress it was like uh, you know like one of those like plus five percent stat increases or something mm. i didn't didn't add more people to my team i think ultimately in the two hours i think i had four character types total which is totally not nearly enough when they've only got two powers um it just 
you hit repetition almost right off the bat. And I just did not want to sit there and grind and grind and grind and grind and grind to do anything different. Like it should be variety first. Yeah. And then the progression supporting that. So they just they just really did not understand what how that worked and what makes a good road like and what specifically makes Darkest Dungeon work. Um, too much of a slow grind. Uh, and they they really overestimated how many times people would want to play that same battle. Like if I did one or two battles and then I got a good upgrade, got a new character. Okay. That's fine. That's good. Good. Like keep me moving forward, but it was glacial progress, dude. I just felt like I was doing the same run a thousand times. So although I like the graphics, I like the concept. Um, I think there's room in this genre for people to kind of do something that, that is kind of a spin off of darkest dungeon. This was unfortunately not it. Yeah. It sucks. It, it, uh, like you said, we still want people to try because yeah. like, that, that formula is cool. If you change on it innovate enough. You know, when you were talking about it, it made me think of that thing we mentioned a couple episodes ago where uh, back in the day there used to be old school PlayStation games like at the checkout. Oh, yeah. And they were like always like tennis. Yeah, racing. just tennis, racing. And this sounded like strategy or like strategy <laughs> roguelike. The yes. game. Yes. I and mean, that's kind of. Yes, exactly, dude. You're exactly yeah, right. So yes. that's what this is. Yeah, unfortunate, unfortunate. It seems like there's some potential there, but they just you did not nail it, my friends. So, okay, moving on. Moving on. We are talking now about a game that is currently under embargo, but will not be under embargo by the time you're hearing this podcast. Mineko's Night Market. This is a pretty, um, pretty welcome and pretty anticipated title for people who are following the indie scene. I've been hearing about it for... I feel like at least a year, if not longer than a year, and people are really waiting for it and, and can't can't wait to see it. It's finally here. Um, you played it. We got you a code. Thanks to the publishers for that. Thank you for that. Um, I don't really know a lot about it, though. You want to kind of fill us in? Yeah. I've uh, When you say a year, uh, it's been years since they're waiting for this game. Oh, I'm sure. I mean, yeah. that was just me. I mean, maybe other yeah. people. Yeah, I've been attention. literally, yeah. it's been wishlisted, I think, from on my Steam account for three years or something at least. Oh, wow. Okay, yeah. even longer than I thought. All right. And I, I think I backed it as a Kickstarter. I don't know. Oh, I feel wow. Like, okay. I feel like I did, um, which means it's weird because I have the code now and I'm playing it. But, um, you know, whatever. I guess maybe I get two copies. I don't know. Uh, yeah. So uh, what is the game and why I'm so excited about it? Well, you know, it's funny. When did, I want to look up when Night in the Woods came out. But it has Night in the Woods vibes, totally. Like the graphics? Graphics, graphics or as well as the story and the way, okay. as well as the dialogue and that kind of like, you're just in a cool, cutesy type of world with like interesting, weird characters who kind of talk, um, you know, with slang and their own kind of comedy in their in their voice. There's a vibe to that. I can't, I can only just say Night in the Woods. And if people get that, if they play that game, they'll get it. If you know, um, you know. You know, you know. So I always had that kind of like feel to it, um, just in screenshots and trailers and stuff. Uh, but the game is a, a gameplay is totally kind of different. Um, the art style is also like, you know, when Night in the Woods is 2D kind of platformy. Uh, this one's more like looking down. What's it called? Uh, isometric view. Yeah. Uh, with like cutout characters, so you can run all around the map. You know, kind of like Zelda style, but your 2D cutout character. That's the art. And it's awesome. I mean, look at the screenshots of it. You see, it's like so cool looking uh, to me personally. So yeah, you play as Mineko, um, and she gets brought to a little town. Uh, they move in. She moves in with her dad, and this place—I don't know what the place is called. I forgot, but it, it's like there's tons of cats. And by the way, another reason why I backed it. Oh, so that's what it. this is about. It's this is cat about cats. Thing. There's a okay. lot of cats in this. All okay. right, but the, the the town has a lot of cats in it. You know, this little village and stuff. Um, but there's like this story 
that you learn about in the very beginning of like this ancient lore of like this magical cat that showed up one time and like blessed the crops. And so that's in the background of your mind that this might, you know, this land might have this kind of mysticalness to it. But then there's actual just like tons of cats around, which are all adorable. And then there's these agents that show up and this is in the very beginning of the game and that they have suits and stuff like that, like men in black style. And they're all around like looking at some suspicious stuff that's going on and they're trying to like block off areas of the island. So, and also they uh, uh, captured cats. What the fuck's wrong with them? They captured all these cats. They're like assholes. Were they feral cats? Well, they are the cats that live in the town. They, you know, and then they captured a bunch of them. I think, and this is just speculation, so there's no spoiler, but it's obviously tied to this mystical cat thing, right? So they're probably like, they figured it out. It's like uh, X-Files. It totally feels like X-Files meets cats meets Night in the Woods. There's the box boat. There it is. I mean, that's those are pr- those are three pretty good things. Yes. And here's the fourth thing. So that's the whole setup, okay? And you're there, and you're walking around, and it's cute, and you t- meet characters, and you meet this little kid named Bobo, and he's, like, you know, your companion. And, you're, you know, you select things to look at them and interact with them. You have a run button, which is so thankful for that, and that this kind of game where you're running everywhere. Um, and you have a sneak button as well because there's some of that kind of, like, what's it, you know, stealth stuff. Uh, and it is that thing where certain missions are, like, if you get seen, it's over, you know? But... You get like three tries, so it's worth it. And here's the other piece. is It's called Mineko's Night Market. So there's a night market that takes place every Saturday, and you get to set up your own little stall and sell shit. Oh, and okay. I don't think that's for you at all, but for other people that's sitting. What do you sell? So you craft things. So you find things on the island, find a ton of uh, plants to make this plant thing or whatever, flowers to make this other thing. And then whatever you find, too, just random shit. There's like magazines and weird stuff all around. All the art looks awesome. You know, you can kind of craft things or get things and then just sell them at the market. So there's this, this like other element, which is remember that dungeon game? Yeah, um, Moonlighter. Moonlighter. See, we're so good, or you're so good. That was a good callback. <laughs> Moonlighter. It had that has that vibe, right? So Moonlighter mixed with Night in the Woods, <laughs> mixed with X Files, and a ton of cats. Like if you love cats, you know you'll really enjoy this, and you can pet the cats. Nice. Uh, and this is, sounds like a fever dream of a review. Sorry. Uh, I'll slow down. The point is I love it, and it's just what I wanted, which is great when a, a game does that, when it shows you, you know, teasers. And it's just relaxing as fuck. Like, I'm playing Cyberpunk. I'm playing a bunch of those other games that are really intense. And then I just come over to Mineko's Night Market and go, ah, oh, I found some new flowers. I can craft that thing, and I'll pet this cat, and I'll go over here, and I'll, oh, secret moment where I had to be stealthy and, you know, get around these guards and then go back to relaxing again. So it's got a really interesting mix of like, there's this story, like we were saying earlier, kind of like there's a finality to this, you know, there is something to figure out. There's an end point, something to work towards. Yeah. There's a magical cat probably. And these X-Files people are guarding it. And then there's like going back and relaxing and actually, you know, doing better and getting money and going to your house and hanging out in your, in your place. I love it. It's so relaxing. Um, I don't, again, I don't think it's a game for uh, people who follow Brad <laughs> and Brad's <laughs> opinions and ideas. Uh, but for I like me, to relax sometimes. Maybe. You do like to relax in Switch games, I know. But I don't think sometimes. this kind of relaxing is. Yeah, is maybe probably, not. Yeah. We'll see. But I it love looks it. looks real cute, though. looks real cute. Oh, yeah. The art's awesome. I mean, talk about spending time, however, how many years they worked on it, because like, it's, everything's perfect. Like, there's, there's no bugs to be seen. It's like just a relaxing, good, solid experience. 
Excellent. Excellent. Sounds like a real win. Where are you playing it on? On PC? Steam. Um, PC. Like, we are the controller, though. Yeah. Okay. And I believe it's also on Switch. I think it's PC and Switch for this one. It so. would be really good on Switch. I would also like to see it on a big screen on TV as well, though. Hmm. Um, hmm. But, man, it's it's it works so well. Uh, I love it. It's relaxing. I play it almost every night. Excellent. Sounds like a win. It is. All right. Mineko's Night Market. Win. Check it out. Check it out. All right, let me talk for a second about a game I have been kind of excited for for quite a while. It's called Gloomhaven. Have you heard of Gloomhaven, Carlos? It's been on my potential wish list, so I'm interested in you. No, take it off. No, take it off mine. Yeah, take it off. I thought so. I thought so. It's got the strategy elements, right? It's like a turn-basey thing. So here's the here's what what I should do. I should I should I've done it before. Go ahead. I should tell you what the game is before, and I have not played the game. All right, tell me what do you think this game? is? Here's my improv number two for the podcast. And then I won't do it next time. That's fine. So Gloomhaven. All right. So what is Gloomhaven? It's a fantasy turn-based adventure game where you level up and it's got roguelike elements and there's cartoony type characters. No. Okay. I'm I'm totally wrong. (laughs) Good good try. And I do like the voice, but no. All right. So what is Gloomhaven? So Gloomhaven is kind of a strange one. Uh, you may not know, but this was kickstarted as a board game mm. um, many years ago. It was a monster success, like huge, huge success. Uh, I believe. Did I kickstart it? I think I may have even kickstarted it. Uh, the box um, for Gloomhaven is what it's really known for because it is large when it comes to board games. I don't know if it's the largest. Uh, but it weighs like probably like 40 pounds of stuff. Whoa. It's a giant box. You could fit a small child inside the box for Gloomhaven. Um, it's kind of a joke how big it is and how much stuff is in the box. And so it became really well known as like the big box game. Um, and I so I bought it, uh, kickstarted it, got the thing. Me and the wife, uh, you know, we love we love board games, but we hate playing them, which sounds funny. But it's like if someone is there to run the game for us, like we're all in like, hell, yes, we're going to play this. But if we have to run it ourselves, we're kind of like, uh, this is a lot of rules to remember. And yeah. This is a lot of pieces. And I, I, it's stupid because I buy board games all the time and I never play them or I play them one time. And I'm like, oh, man, I love the art on this box. It's so awesome. I wish I could play this, but I need someone to run it for me. Dude, let's just talk about that for two seconds. Yeah. Um, and friend of the show, Dan Shu, runs Going Analog. So if you like uh, tabletop games and board games, check out Going Analog. He's the one who got me into them when I was in SF. And once I lived near a store that sold them, yeah, and the new ones, like you said, with new art, I was buying a fuck ton of those yeah. because it's like collectibles or something. You just feel like it's addictive. Yeah, it so is. I know that that vibe, that feel. But then, yeah, like running them, oh, jeez. Yeah, they look so, so cool. The, the boxes are so cool looking. You open them up. There's all these cool little like. Sometimes you get miniatures, which look neat. Sometimes you get cool little cards, mm-hmm. little art and stuff. You open up the board. You're like, oh, this looks amazing. Like it looks so cool, but like. This is like a whole, this is like a topic for another podcast, but like in the way that there is video game literacy for us, which we don't even think twice about now, we like eat, breathe and sleep games. We don't even think about, you know, the bottom button on a controller is usually jump. And usually when you hit start, that's usually where your menu is. And usually, mm-hmm. you know, like we, we just internalize all this stuff from decades of play. Literally the same thing for board games, dude. Um, and so I feel like if you don't already have that stuff internalized for board games, it's so hard to get into them because um, total tangent here, folks. Sorry, but like after buying all the board games and stuff, I will often open up the rule book and I'll be like, 
I don't understand. This rule book does not tell me enough of what I need to know. And then I yeah. ask my board game friends, they're like, oh, well, duh, you got to do blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, well, how would I know that? Oh, well, all those games are like that. Okay, but I didn't know that. I don't play three board games a week. I don't have a regular board game night. And they're terrible. I mean, it, it's like, imagine playing every single video game with no tutorial. Now, some games, that would be fine. Some games you could figure it out with, with brute force. But there's a lot of games where, like, there'd be some shit you just didn't understand if the tutorial didn't walk you through it. Like, yeah. you know, materia crafting in FF7. If there was no tutorial, you'd be like, what the fuck is going on with this? I have no idea. Breeding chocobos? What's happening? Like, you know, if you need to be walked through certain things, and I find that board games really fail so hard at explaining anything to people like me who are potentially the audience but don't have that internalized knowledge we don't have that literacy already built in and so if i don't have a friend who already knows these board games front to back i totally fail dude it's like it's like um like when my father-in-law was just here recently for the for the summer he doesn't know shit about video games but he's got Parkinson's. And so he heard that doing video games is good for Parkinson's, right? So he's like, oh, Brad, you're the video game guy. And I didn't really care about it before. But now that I've got this really serious disease, why don't you sit down with me? Let's play some games. And I'm like, okay, fine. And I was able to like not only curate which games I thought would be good for him. Like we pulled up Game Pass and I, ch I chose like 15 games. There's no way he would have ever known what games to choose, right? right. That's like that's like going into like, you know, like like pull up, uh, you know, the iTunes movie store and just pick at random some movie. Like, you don't know. You got to figure out what's good for you, right? So I picked out the games. I sat down next to him. He didn't know shit from shit. Didn't know what buttons were what. Didn't know how anything worked. I'm like, here's the A button. Here's the jump. You got to jump this thing. This is a platformer. So this means you got to collect this coin. You got to jump this thing. Like, I already know all this stuff and I'm helping him through it. And then he got on board and he ended up really liking some of these games um, because I was able to teach him the things that the game itself kind of assumed he would know. Right, right, right. right. Same thing with board games, dude. If you don't have somebody who's like guiding you through this shit, it's like impossible. So I say all this as a really long winded way of saying we bought Gloomhaven, which is the biggest box on earth. Uh, you could bury people in it, honestly. Okay, all right. Um, I know you want to put a person inside the box. Jeez. So many, so many people inside my box of Gloomhaven. And it was like a thousand pieces, a thousand little cutouts, little characters. There's like little secret pieces that you don't open until later. There's like maps. There's notebooks. There's all this stuff. And I'm like, holy shit, dude, what's going on? But we powered through. I set it up. I did a lot of reading. I did a lot of YouTubing. I asked a couple friends who had already played it. I got on the Gloomhaven, um, not the Discord, but like their their page like online. And I did all this reading. So we got to play a couple rounds. And I got to say, once me and the wife got into it, it was pretty fun. It was interesting. And I think that's really double interesting because I believe Gloomhaven is a board game that was created to simulate a video game. What? And now the, we're playing the video game. It's like, it's there's like side quests. There's hidden agendas. There's leveling up. There's different ways that you use your, um, your abilities that seem like they are very clearly inspired by a video game. I, I don't know if this is true, but I'd be willing to bet money that the person who created Gloomhaven wanted to make uh, a video game style RPG, but on tabletop. And that's what he did. And now we're going back to the other half of the circle because now this tabletop game is an online, uh, not online, like an electronic video game. So it's kind of like, you know, the snake eating its own tail kind of thing here. Yeah, but you'd, be, you'd think that they wouldn't want to do a game if they were doing that in the board game. Well, so I don't know. So, who knows what? Who, who knows, knows what, what they want? What darkness lurks in the hearts of men? We don't know that. But anyway, Gloomhaven is now a video game. And I got to say, I'm very excited about this because... Just like I said, with no one to run it, it got to be kind of a drag. We ended up playing two, three rounds and we stopped because 
too many pieces, too many things to keep track of. It was just too complicated. We're busy people, et cetera, et cetera. But I'm like, I like the idea. I like the characters, I like the concept. And now they have um, E, E-fied this game. They've put it all back into video games. And uh, it's great. It's great to play this where the computer takes care of everything. Mm. You don't have to remember whose turn is what or who goes next or what the role was. Like the, the game takes care of all that stuff. So this is essentially a hyper complex, really in-depth, super complicated board game that is now electronic and that's exactly what it is it is no more and it is no less got it yeah it's so, like it's kind of what you were asking for in a way then yeah it was it was it was so i i struggle to even begin to talk about gloomhaven but basically you take a couple of characters grid-based turn-based strategy but the hook to gloomhaven is there's a system and i'm not even going to really explain it fully but like you choose cards each card has a top and a bottom and each round you choose two cards so if you choose the top of card A, that means you have to use the bottom of card B or vice versa. So part of the strategy is what two cards do you choose? And then the further strategy is if I use the top ability of card A, that means I have to use the bottom of card B. So you're always trying to mix and match the cards so that you're using the top of one and the bottom of the other and then doing something that is meaningful to you. So like maybe you need to move and all the move is on the bottom card. Well, okay, I'm going to use this card, but that means my attacking has to be on the top of the other card, and you kind of go back and forth. It's really complicated. I'm not going to fully explain it here, but hopefully you get the gist. That's like that's Gloomhaven's big thing is the two the the two-tiered card system thing. So, okay. they automate that, which I think is great. The graphics are pretty sharp looking. Um, it looks like you would want a tabletop game in the video game world to look. Like it's all very kind of map-based and clean looking. Um animations are fun i think it looks good it is exactly it is exactly what gloomhaven is so that's good and bad because up until recently i think they didn't do great with the tutorials and as you may imagine a game that's as complex as gloomhaven is really needs a lot of tutorialization they they try they try at it but like even though i knew how to play the game sort of from the board game and then I went through all the tutorials, which took me like like an hour and a half to get through the tutorials. Jeez. I, there were still questions of like, I don't understand what I'm doing. Why is this happening? What happened? I had to actually go to an FAQ three times to get through the tutorial because I didn't understand why I was failing the tutorial. I'm out. I'm so yeah. out. I'm so yeah. out. So they need to do better with the tutorials. Um, and I think also one thing that would really help this game is if you were doing something wrong if they would flag why you're doing it wrong. And I get that's not super easy, but without getting too much in the weeds, there's a way to screw yourself by playing your cards wrong and you can really fuck yourself over and your character can die because you misplayed your cards. And I think they need like more warnings about that because it's like a really key system. Um, you have to kind of just remember it and it's it's pretty tough. Um, I will say they did add a new mode called the Guildmaster mode. So you have your, your base game. Everything in the board game is in here. You can play the entire content of the board game. That's that's your main mode. Guildmaster mode is, I guess, made in response to people who were like, man, this is too hard. We don't understand. This is not what we thought it was going to be. So they have made it even more video gamey in the Guildmaster mode where they have made some changes. It's not as harsh in terms of penalties to your characters. The difficulty is not as harsh. Uh, there are certain changes to how the town runs. You have a town kind of like Darkest Dungeon that you build up. Um, so this is more straightforward. It's, it's like 100 quests or something, and then you can finish it. So there's a more video gamey aspect. There is the hardcore board game aspect. But basically what you should know is if you've ever wanted to play Gloomhaven, but you didn't have a friend to run it with, yeah. or it was too complicated for you to get into, this is that. And I think 
on one sense, it's really great because I was very curious and I spent a lot of money on this box mm -hmm. that I never really played. But I will say straight up, if you are like a strategy player coming to this because you want like an XCOM or like that kind of a thing, um, this is probably not going to cut it for you. There's a lot of really idiosyncratic board game rules here. The difficulty is really steep and progress is really slow. So I think that maybe something is missing by like not playing it as a board game and not having a few more concessions towards making it like an enjoyable single player experience. But again, I can't really fault it. This is exactly what I was asking for and it's here and I have been chugging through it, but boy, it's, it's kind of a slog. Like I'm still kind of enjoying it, but it's a real slog and I don't know that I would really recommend it to anybody who just wanted a strategy game. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It brings up a topic of in this, this whole kind of you know, mini review is it brings up a topic of just board games and becoming video games because yeah. there's a few that can do it like, and, and touch both sides of it. Yeah. Like settlers of Catan is like easy enough to be like, Oh yeah, I get it. You know, in general. Yeah. Even though there's some small rules in that even, but you know, like I think if it's super complicated, it's, it's just, it's got a niche market for that then because you got to be a board game person, I think. That's it. Yeah. If you're a board yeah. game person, you want a digital version. There you go. This is what you, is what this is. It sounds like so. Yeah, there are just certain little tweaks and stuff. I mean, I'm glad it's here. I was really excited for it. Like I said, I'm still trudging through it. But you got to know what you're getting into. And if you want to play a solo board game, then this is that. But don't come to this for like just your strategy fix. You yeah, should be yeah. better off with something else, right? So when you were describing it, by the way, real quick, uh, to end this, the tutorial yeah. Yeah. Uh, of like the board game self, the actual board game. I saw a future where we have contact lenses slash glasses that do the AR stuff. Uh, oh yeah, augmented reality, and it would just like you just look down at the board game, and it would just show you what to do. That would be great. I would use that. You could do I that. Could, yeah. I could mouse over something with my eyes and see the pop up and get the yeah. rules. That yeah. would be great. That is the future. We're just not. I don't know if we'll get there. You and I, we'll see. We will get there. Maybe we probably get there. We'll see. If the Earth doesn't die first, we'll yeah. see what happens. Yeah. So, all right. So that is Gloomhaven. There you go. Um, all right. Let's see what's coming up next here. Oh, right. Uh, Star Ocean, that's coming up next here. Uh, you've got a kind of a double feature, Carlos. Uh, double dose of Star Ocean. You're going to talk about the Star Ocean second departure demo and then circle back to the original Star Ocean first departure. Uh, so tell us, uh, tell us about uh, Star Ocean. And by the way, you know of Star Ocean, but I'm guessing you played none of the games? I think I played one of them a million years ago. Like, I want to say it was like PlayStation 2 or something. Was it even on PlayStation 2? Yeah, there's a com there's a bunch of them on there. Yeah, I think 2. I played like one of them, and I was just like, I was already kind of like falling out of my JRPG phase, so I never I never really went anywhere with it. Okay. Yeah, I think a couple on PS2 or PS1, um, and we'll go through that list actually in a minute, but I'm bringing both of them because recently and out right now is the demo for Star Ocean Second Departure or Second Story as it was originally known. Okay. Um, and so I was like excited because it was that same thing of take an old school game, old school graphics, but mix it with like the Octopath Traveler style, which graphics, is yeah, graphics yeah, yeah. of like, it's still pixel based, but it's got this cool new art look to it. And it's got like depth of field and all that stuff. So I was like, okay, I'll do that. Because if you remember, I think just last year, I talked about the Divine Force, which was their newest game. Yes. And it was kind of the comeback for their series because they had been gone for so long. And people really liked it. Like, I loved it. And um, I think it did pretty well. So because of that, and I had such a good time with the idea of a sci-fi RPG, which is very hard to come by, right? Like, how many like times? Like, bizarrely hard to come by. I'm yeah. so surprised that we don't have way more of these. We should. It's a good combination. Um, 
So because I had so much fun with that, I was like, let me go back to the roots. I played some of these older games. I don't think I'd beaten any of them, which made me feel bad because I love this series. So I went back and looked at, you know me, chronological order uh, of how the game Chronological be. Carlos. Chronological Carlos. That's a good name for the podcast. Um, that, that they should be in the actual history of the world, right? Like the Star Ocean universe, this is the order that they take place, right? Not how when they came out. So it goes like this. I'm just going to mention this for people because it's kind of fun to know. But it starts with Star Ocean The Last Hope, which was released in 2009. So I don't know what system that's for. Uh, then Star Ocean, which is called Star Ocean First Departure now. Star Ocean The Second Story, which is Star Ocean Second Departure. Blue Sphere, which is like an offshoot one. Integrity and Faithlessness is the one I'm guessing you maybe played. Um, <laughs> that is quite a title. I know. It's ridiculous. There's another side shoot one, uh, Animesis, and then Divine Force, which is the one I played. And then Till the End of Time, which people like a lot, is the actual last game in the timeline. Where was that? Sounds familiar. When where was Till the End of Time? Was that, that was PS2? 2003. So I think that's PS2. Maybe that's the one I played. That sounds yeah. familiar to me. Which is funny because then you played the very last game the very in last the timeline. One. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm going back. And, uh, the, okay, so let me just talk about the second story for a minute. So why is it so cool is not only is it like an Octopath Traveler style, but they did something different where they really enhanced the game in a way that it's just not, like, just graphical. So it, it feels like, okay, the story, by the way, is a sci-fi story where you land on a planet that's underdeveloped. There's a big, huge, you know, overarching theme in Star Ocean games, which is, underdeveloped planets and then sci-fi ones right like people are in star trek world and they have spaceships and they travel and then there's people who are on planets who have never gotten to that kind of technology okay. like that's their whole thing that's like star ocean in nutshell and the kind of interplay between that two and there's all these rules like if you if you're a spaceship and you land on a planet you're not supposed to talk about spaceships you know it's like really interesting so anyways in star ocean second um story departure you are, are, you know, the space team that land on a planet, and that's the pr- point of view you're taking. You're the people from space gotcha. interacting, right? In the Divine Force, you're the same thing. You're space people landing on a planet. They don't understand technology. In the de- first departure, you are actually the people on the planet. So they kind of jump back and forth with, like, who you start as. Okay. Got it? Okay. Yes. So that's the whole thing, because you know, see that as the thing. So now departure, second departure, you are these space people. You land... But the graphics are, like, not just enhanced, but, like, they're, they add, like, polygon. Um, what's the word? I don't want to say polygon, but, like, actual, you know, not just 8-bit graphics. Okay. So, like, you're in a mountainous area. All the mountains look like modern game. Does that make sense? It's, like, looks like a regular 3D game. Yes. And then your, eight, your graphics are in the middle. So, like, Octopath Travel would do that, you know, cool depth of feel, but even the graphics in the background were 8-bit. Or 16-bit. This is like no, no, no. There's actually different graphics that would belong in a modern game. Gotcha. Got gotcha. it. Okay. And so Got that it. makes a really big difference because that with like new sound effects and new just lighting, uh, like lens flare and stuff, it just makes the whole world feel much more alive. Um, and also the playability of moving your characters around, it just feels better. Like combat feels really good. So I think they uh, tighten that up, similar to Trials of Mana, which mm-hmm. I loved. That remake really changed the controls, you remember? Yes. And it made it like a cool dodge roll that I loved and stuff. Yeah, I remember you saying that, yeah. That's what this feels like. It feels like it take it took the old game and said, like, let's up the ante and make it actually really more fun playable. Um, 
It's okay. So that's the game. I love it. Okay. Everybody should check out the demo right now. It's freaking yep. awesome. Yep. Yep. The reason I brought both games is because I was excited because the progress carries over and I was like, oh, let's go. But the game doesn't come out till November. Oh, that's yes, far. That's it's far. far. And it currently won't at the time of this recording. It is September, the end of September. So I was very excited about it. Love it. Kept my save. But then I was like, okay, this would be my perfect time now to go back and beat First Departure, which is the very first game. Um, or the very first main line game, whatever. So that's what I'm doing. And so when I went back to that game, which they also remade, that's what it's called, First Departure. Yeah. Those graphics are like similar to Octopath Traveler. So it's like, oh, it's not even even night. It's like night and day. It's like yeah. Yeah. this wasn't a true full like redesign. It was like, no, they just kind of ported it with a b- bunch of like kind of better graphics. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of harsh to go back. You know what I mean? But yeah, um, yeah. But I bring it to the podcast because I just want everybody to know about that series. I think it's fucking great. I think there's some, some good comedy, some good heartfelt moments in it. The Divine Force had things like that were very modern, you know, talking about stuff that actually happened in the real world in a way. Um, and yeah, it feels like in a kind of an adult story sometimes. And it's very fun to play. And it's an action combat, by the way. I didn't say that. But when you find a monster on the you know overworld, uh, when you do the encounter, it's like fight. But then you're just you're hitting buttons. So it's not gotcha. turn-based. Gotcha. That's it. In general, it's super fun. Uh, the AI is pretty smart. Even back then, uh, it kind of does all the things it's needs to do. Your companions. You can have multiple companions. You can have, like, no companions. It's kind of up to you. Similar to Suikoden. You know what I mean? Um, <laughs> and you're laughing because I, I said that correctly. Is why you you're did. laughing? Uh, excellent pronunciation. Thank you. Um, but, yeah, it's just super fun. And so now I'm playing First Departure. Thoughts. Right. Thoughts from Brad Galloway. I mean, you clearly like it, and I know that this is kind of like in your wheelhouse. This is the kind of game. This is what I, this is what I think of when someone's like, "What what games are Carlos's favorite games?" Because people ask me a lot of time. Yeah, and I go, "This, this is you know the action RPG, this kind of like sci-fi stuff. Like this is really in your bucket, which is fine. Um, not my bucket, but that's okay. It's we can like different things, and that's that's all right. Um, the only thing I was thinking of was it's a bummer that they put this demo out so early because there's no way you're gonna like pick the game up from the demo when it comes out in whatever november december whatever it was it's like you should just start over i'm guessing i know you're gonna forget everything you did well i don't think i will because well especially if i'm like just beaten to first departure Uh, oh i didn't say this but first departure ends and second story takes up around like you know years later so it actually connects this one in a way so i don't think i'll forget but it is weird timing i don't know why they put the demo out this early yeah, you want to kind of get that momentum going and get people fired up. And it's it's one thing to be like, oh, I played the demo and I really liked it and the game's coming out in two weeks. Oh, I'm so excited. Pre-order. As opposed to, oh, I get to continue my progress, but it's like nine months from now. I know. Like, I didn't hit the pre-order button and I normally yeah, do that. It's, it's too far. The timing was off on that one. So. so the timing being off, but I am still telling people <clears throat> to check it out because it reminds you of the series. I think they did an excellent job with Second Story. I mean, I can't. I want more games that to be remade like this. You know, yeah. I didn't look yeah. at the... Is there a secondary developer that worked on it? I forgot, but who knows? I, they must have had contracted someone else. I feel like to kind of do this specialized version of it because it's so flashy and awesome. Anyways, that's it. I love both of them. I love Star Ocean. I'm playing Second Departure or First Departure, and I'm going to beat it, and then I'll talk about it on the show. There you go. All right, um, getting close to the end of the show. We've only got two more games to talk about, but I feel like the last one is going to be a big discussion. So let me get one more thing out of the way before we crack into the the main the main meat. Can I guess what it is? Our, our dinner. What? Can I guess what the game is? For me? Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, because you didn't tell me. 
I didn't tell you. I no. don't think you tell me ever. I just realized. I never that. tell you. Yeah. But behind the screen here, behind the scenes, before the show starts, you ask me what games I'm playing. Yeah. And talking I do. about. I do. That's it. That's how that conversation ends. And then I never know. Well, this is this weird. And I never ask. know what you're talking you never ask. about. Huh? You never ask. Well, I don't. Yeah, I guess not. But I don't. You write it because for notes. But like yeah. me, I'm like, I'm not doing the notes. So it's just yeah. interesting because then you were like, and check out this game on the show. And I go, whoa, what's that? And I Google it. <laughs> it's a weird dichotomy. Anyway, you, know, you can always ask anytime. I'm happy to share. I you could, but why wouldn't I? Anyways. I- <laughs> Lies of P you're talking about. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and I have a question about it. Okay. You want to ask your question first or you want me to talk first? Um, you tell the people what it's about. Then I'll ask okay. a question. All right. Uh, so first off, the Lies of P, this is a long-awaited Souls-like coming from, I believe it's a Korean developer. Um, I think this might be their first game, possibly. I don't know. I'll look because it we, Yeah, we don't do any research on the show. Uh, but is it, you know, basically souls like third person uh, behind the back, dark, uh, you know, parrying different weapons, stamina, save points, corpse runs for your your lost energy or whatever it is in this game. I want to say it's souls. It's not souls. It's something else. Um, so, you know, all the basics, right? Uh, most people listening to this podcast, I imagine, have probably played a souls game or two in their day or at least are very familiar with it. So this is very, very, very firmly entrenched in the Souls-like genre. Round round 8 Studios. Okay, Round 8. Is it the first game? I bet it is. Yeah, I don't see any... Oh, no, no, they worked on other little things. Okay, okay. Um, So the one thing that immediately caught people's attention uh, when this game was announced a year or two ago was the source material. It is based on Pinocchio. That's right. Pinocchio, the wooden puppet, whose nose grew... Uh, Geppetto, the woodcutter, puppet maker, Jiminy Cricket, all that stuff. Monstro, the whale. If You've heard familiar, the story. Yeah, if everybody's heard Pinocchio, then this is based on that. And you may think, what the fuck? How is the Souls like based on Pinocchio? Um, I'm still unraveling that, but I feel like so far it is pretty cool. Your character is, um, God, I don't know if they even say your name. They may not even say your name. I'm assuming you're P. You must be P because you're Pinocchio. You must be. Yeah. I'm just thinking of and all the cutscenes I've seen so far. I don't know that anybody even says your name. Maybe not. They're like, hey, Pinocchio, get over here. I don't think they even say that. I don't think there is. That'd be funny, Uh, though, if that was the beginning of the game. Hey, Pinocchio, you're up. It's your time to be in this soul's like go. Uh, yeah, I mean, kind of. That's almost exactly what happens, basically. Okay. So you're Pinocchio, but uh, okay. So you're in this kind of like cyberpunk, yet also Victorian times, kind of mishmash of time periods. Um, this one reminds me a lot of the uh, Steel. Was that one we played? Steel recently? Rising. Steel Rising. Yeah. Same vibe. Same, same bucket. Vibes, yeah. Where it's kind of like steampunk. It's kind of like low tech, but it's also kind of like high tech, and it's also kind of like oldie timey chimney sweep. Victorian, but it's also sciency. Kind of a weird blend. I mean, I'm kind of down with it. It's pretty cool. Well, dude, that's why I played the demo, and we talked about it on this show already. If you forgot, but we did. I think I totally forgot. But yeah, yes. but and, and that's why I played the demo because I was like, I love the style. Yeah, the style is, is excellent, and I will say, um, this game style is killer. Like uh, the graphics are really well done. Like it just looks beautiful. It's a little dark for my taste. Um, I wouldn't mind a little more color, a little more light. And I get it's a Souls-like, but that doesn't mean it has to be black and dark all the time. Um, but 
when you like look at like Pinocchio's character model, like he looks great. The enemy models, mm-hmm. they all look very cool. Like and the city design is great. Like it just it oozes with style. And I like this style a lot. I think Pinocchio, he he looks like a normal human being, even though he is an artificial person. But his left arm is like cumbersome metal puppet arm. And the rest of his body is like indistinguishable from human being, although he is an artificial person. Um, so that's a cool design. And he's got like these little like rich rich boy clothes on that are kind of like i don't even know how to even describe them it's like you look at him and you think like prince dauphin or something like that from like france or whatever like he's got this kind of like the flowery collar and stuff yeah. really kind of you know that kind of thing um so you you begin the game and you don't really know what's going on you wake up in this chair and they're like oh man we need your help and you don't know what's going on so it's kind of like an in media res sort of a thing uh but you know as expected you've got like heavy attack light attack you've got a dodge or kind of a dodge out of the way it's not a great dodge i heard somebody tell me you can upgrade it later which i'm looking forward to um a couple different weapons equipped at times and you have like some throwables you've got like your estus flask i mean it's it's basically souls there's no real innovations in terms of the gameplay um and i, I don't mean that to sound unkind although i'm struggling to think of like what differentiates it from from other souls likes in terms of gameplay i think it's mostly style if you really like the style yeah you're going to want to play this one and let um, me stop you there because normally yeah. that's where you will like get mad at a game yeah it's a souls like with it when it doesn't have a discerning factor yeah and i and it that is very true and i think that you are correct and i'm strong I'm, I'm thinking like so what does it do differently nothing nothing oh, really interesting yeah um it just is just like a souls like but it's just the style. Like if you like the concept of Pinocchio as an artificial person um, and they kind of go back to some like some typical themes like the game is called The Lies of P. And at first you're like, well, OK, we know Pinocchio lies from the story. But like, how does that fit in this game? And I just got to one of the first instances of that. Um, first, let me say also, I should have been further in this game. But what happened was I got the code from PR about two weeks ago. Well, more than two weeks, probably three weeks ago. Um, and I'm only a couple hours into it. And the reason for that is there's a bug on Xbox. It doesn't hit everybody, but it's actually hit me a couple times. And you of know, you know, it hits has. me. Of course it does. Yes. So what can happen is you enter a code. That's a pre-release review code. The game, like you enter the code and they're like, yes, redeemed. But then it triggers you and flags you as game is still unreleased. It doesn't trigger you as being special reviewer who gets early access. Mm. It simply says you bought the game. Great, but you get it with everybody else. You don't get it early. And that's what happened to me. I, I downloaded the game, took the code, it added it to my library, but I couldn't I couldn't download it, couldn't access it, couldn't start it. Uh, and so I got in touch with PR. They're like, oh, fuck. They're like, yeah, we know about this bug. It happens every so often. There's a number of other people who got hit by it. So there were people who should have had a review up or had more coverage. I, I wanted to talk about this last week, actually, uh, but I just couldn't play the game. So I had to wait. They fixed it somehow. So I got in a couple days early, but I think it's already up on Game Pass, I believe. Does that seem right to you, Carlos? Yeah, it's up now. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's on PlayStation, I think, right? I think yeah, it's on, it's on it's on PlayStation, it's on PC, it's on Xbox, yeah. and I was going to play it on Game Pass if I didn't get a code, but I did. But I only got into it maybe like two or three days before it hit Game Pass when I should have been into it like two weeks ahead of time. So right. nothing I could do about that, but that's why I'm kind of talking about it now. But basically the lies is that in this world there are automatons and the automatons go berserk as they always do in games mm-hmm. like this just like in steel rising just like in every other game and you are an automaton but something that's different about you is that you can lie 
Uh, all the other automatons are forced to tell the truth. They cannot lie because they are mechanical beings. So let's say, for example, you get to this, this hotel and it's a refuge for human beings and they won't let you in because you're an automaton. But if you say, no, I'm actually a human, even though you're not, then they're like, oh, OK, we'll come in then. So like, you know, how you navigate the world, whether you lie or whether you don't, will have an effect on certain things. I'm pretty early still, so I don't know how far reaching that is or like what significant choices there are. But that was kind of their implementation with the lies being that you are advanced or you are somehow special uh, automaton in this world of normal automaton. Something makes you stand out. And so you're like the last hope of of these people, which is kind of exactly like it was in Steel Rising, basically the same thing. Yeah, and that was my question, by the way, so we can get out of the way, which yeah. is like, how much does that lying actually affect the story? Because that is a cool, you know, extra piece that isn't yeah. just Souls-like. And I saw a scene like in a, in a YouTube video or something where like someone said, hey, go get this for me. And then when you get it, you can be like, oh, I, I, don't, I don't have it anymore, but just keep it. And you just know? lie like that, yeah. Yeah, so that's kind of yeah. Happen, so. so I don't know. I can't say I'm too early in because I missed the review period. So I don't know. I don't know. It would be great if they really played that up, if they gave you a lot of big story choices. Yeah. We'll see. TBD. TBD. Okay. Um, but what I like about it so far, I think the style's awesome. I really love the style a lot. This kind of weird, clunky, um, steampunk, Victorian, future, science-y, whatever, whatever this thing is, uh, is great. Um, I think the controls are solid. I think um, navigating is around is, is fine. It's all it's all good. Like I think for me, the style is really what's winning me over. Even though I think mechanically it is the same. Although there is an issue, though. Um, I will say this game's difficulty is pretty steep, I'm and out. I feel like yeah, you're out. You're out for sure. And I feel like this is aimed at people who are very familiar with Souls likes, and who perhaps are a little bit higher up on the get good scale than I am. And the reason I say that is when you're walking around the, the levels like regular Souls, it's fine. Um, you have different weapons. You can kind of change up your style a little bit. The heavy weapon, light weapon, medium weapon, whatever. Um, you can change the makeup of your weapon. Like, so you can give yourself different abilities by changing the blade or changing the handle of your weapon, which is cool. Um, but when you get to the bosses and some of the heavier enemies, like you have to parry, you have to parry. Um, your dodge is not great. Enemies, even if they're big enemies, they're fast. Like they're really fast. They hit really hard. Um, they don't play by the big and slow rule where like you should be able to dance around them. And so you have to parry. And not only is there a parry, there's a perfect parry. Ugh. So, which is not great. Um, I don't feel like the animations are very well telegraphed. I don't feel like they're slow enough. I feel like they're like, if you liked Sekiro, if you liked, um, if you had no problem getting past the first boss of Wolong, then this is for you, um, which are, which is difficult, right? Yeah. I mean, I did both those things, but I didn't like it, and I kind of hated it. Um, so when you get to the bosses, I feel like it's kind of a brick wall for a while because you have to just parry. You can't really dodge. And a lot of times they do these unblockables where if you perfect parry the unblockable, you can survive it. And if you don't, then you get fucking spanked down, which sucks. So I don't know that I'm going to finish this because I don't like that approach. I wish they would give you, I mean, maybe there's an item later that changes your parry or maybe you can get a better dodge or what. But like so far, being in the position of you have to parry and sometimes you have to perfect parry is not fun. Mm -hmm. I don't enjoy that. I think it's a really bad decision. Um, so that's my only caveat so far. But otherwise, it is a very straightforward you know well done nothing wrong with it really like it's it looks great great style good systems it knows the genre well they're doing what they want to do but this one is is live or die on style so if you like the style you'll probably enjoy it just be ready to parry and perfect parry if you don't care for the style there's not really anything here to differentiate it from other souls likes honestly um so i guess that's where it falls 
There you go. I'm just so out. It's ridiculous. Yeah. I also remember I was kind of out during the demo because of the things you just said, which is I didn't like the dodge, and I didn't want to have to parry the big bosses, which I did have to. So. Yeah. It sucks because yeah. I love the style so much. Yeah, I don't know that I'm going to finish it. I'm I'm still in for now, um, and I was able to squeak by a couple of bosses, but I'm like, man, these guys shouldn't be this hard. Like, they really want you to lean on the parry, which I just... I'm just over. I know we've said this a million times, but I'm yes. done. People can be done with parrying. Let's move on. Or at the very least, make it so that it's more accessible. Give me an item that lets me widen the parry window or let me just dodge and not have to parry at all. And it's funny because it's just like an arbitrary skill test. Like there's nothing nothing inherent about parrying says you have to do it perfectly. Uh, my wife just started playing Assassin's Creed odyssey which i love mm-hmm. parry in that game is great you can like parry with your eyes closed you can parry with the controller <laughs> behind your back they're like whatever just parry just do it dude like and they let you do it and it's fun yeah you just you just roll same thing with um i was having a discussion with someone on blue sky and they're like well if you remember one of the original parries was batman the arkham series and you could parry fucking three seconds too late from halfway across the screen and batman like swooshed over and he parried it yeah you know like it's it's it make it a function don't make it a reflex check. You know what I'm saying? That's perfect. That's exactly it. Because I remember tons of games like that. I remember Odyssey too, and I remember games where like, yeah, just hit the parry button. Like, yeah. You don't have to. You know, if you miss it and don't actually hit it, then of course you're going to get hit. But if you hit the button, then it works. You know, yes. Yes. crazy concept. I think that's fine. You can have you can have hardcore parry mode, and then you can have relaxed parry mode. Where if I push a button, just make it work because. All you're really doing is testing me on whether, A, I can recognize your enemy's animations, whether they're fast enough, slow enough, good enough or not, and B, can I hit the button with the internal timing in order to pass whatever you know bar you've set for me? That's all it is. You're just checking my reflexes. It's not about strategy. It's not about um, clever gameplay. It's not about specking your character. And I just, I just really don't appreciate that very much, so... I wish people would get the fuck off it. And if you're going to do a parry, make it accessible. Make it better. And can so. I offer up C of your A-B yeah. uh, comparison? C is, remember Star Wars? They allowed us to make that parry window wider. Yes. That was yes. actually a feature. And guess what? The C is, it's not even either of those things. It doesn't have to be a check. Because what are we fucking mathematicians? Uh, you know what I mean? Is this a strategy? No, no. Yeah. How about this? that it's just fun and looks cool. Oh yeah. no, that could be fun. Cause that's what the Star Wars one did. Because I made the parry window open more, I just had fun parrying. Exactly. You know what I mean? Exactly. Like, the, whoa, there's a crazy idea. Cause it looks cool and it feels good and it allows me to do another combo after. Right, right. I was having a lot of fun parrying in Star Wars because it let me do that. So that's a perfect example. Yeah, you're totally right, dude. I just, I just really resent when it comes down to if you have fast enough reflexes, you yes. will have a good time with this game. And if you don't have these exact reflexes, you will have a very, very bad time with this it's game. It's outdated. That, it's outdated. Yeah, is that is that really what you want your game to be about? Like, that seems ridiculous to me. So. I, I feel like, and I'm going to say this, a, a line in the sand, I say that's outdated now. Because it's like that it existed when we were, you know, just coming up in video games, like 16-bit era, whatever, even PlayStation where it was like a feature because that's like one of the things they had to do, like one of the things they could do to make something difficult. Yeah. What well, we've yeah. evolved past that. Like, I just think it's like in agreed, the, dude. In the fully past. Agree. Yeah. Fully fucking agree. We need to just get off of this thing. So, yeah. okay. So that is the lies of P. Um, hopefully we've done that justice. I'll, I'll fill you in if I keep getting further. I'm chipping away at it again. Um, but I, I don't know. I feel like maybe I'm going to nope out at some point when I just get kind of irritated with the pairing. So, all right, we'll see. 
All right. The main event of the show, something that we've been wanting to talk about for a while. I know that Carlos has discussed Cyberpunk 2077 a bunch, um, mostly when it released uh, last year or whatever it was. Um, but I didn't play it. If you'll recall, I intentionally did not play it because I wanted to have the optimal experience. I'm a big fan of what CD Projekt Red did with The Witcher 3, and I figured they would probably do something equally good with this. And I wanted to wait for it to be complete and polished and get rid of the bugs. And I was even waiting for some more content. And it's been about a year. So Cyberpunk 2077 2.0 just dropped this month. Mm -hmm. And along with 2.0 is Phantom Liberty, which is apparently the one and only expansion they're going to do. I believe this is it. Mm -hmm. I don't think there's any more DLC coming or anything like that. So we'll see. Uh, But those things are up. Those things are ready. I got a code for Phantom Liberty. I already had Cyberpunk. I just didn't play it. Carlos, you got a code as well. So thank you to the publishers for that. Mm -hmm. And now we are past the embargo window, which we were salivating about. We were raring to go, uh, but we are now in the clear. We can say whatever we want to about 2.0 and Phantom Liberty. So I'm going to be approaching this as someone who has never played Cyberpunk until literally right now. And Carlos, you're the person who's been in the trenches since day one, the grizzled veteran who seen the good, seen the bad, fought through the bugs, and you're going to bring the other half of the equation, correct? Yeah, and it's a perfect uh, pairing, you know what I mean? Absolutely. Uh, Two different sides of the coin. Wine and cheese, chocolate and peanut butter, fish and chips. 100%. Any of those things. So, Carlos, I just talked for a bunch. You lead off. Number one, quick recap on Cyberpunk, and then tell us what's up with 2.0 and Phantom Liberty. Well, before we start that, we could both talk about the main bug we had, which oh, was God, unfortunate. Yeah. Um, very unfortunate. And it was a very uh, small amount of people that got the bug because I thought it would be all over Twitter and all over places uh, when it happened. But when the 2.0 update actually went through uh, and the DLC, I guess, maybe preloaded or something because it's not out uh, at the time when we were reviewing it, it wasn't out yet. Right. The reviewers who had it already installed, including like 2.0 and everything, uh, got a bug where we couldn't even start the game. Couldn't even launch the game. Yes. Couldn't launch the game. It just crashed immediately. And the way to fix it, uh, I don't think anybody listening is in that camp anymore. It's all. I think it's all been fixed. But we had to delete the game and then delete the DLC, start the game, and then reload the DLC. That's how it, I think mine fixed. It was kludgy. It didn't work for me at first, but then it later worked. But then it was like the save wasn't compatible, but then it was compatible. I mean, regardless, it was just a clusterfuck. And uh, I mean, kudos to CD Projekt Red. They got right on it. PR got right on it. And, you know, we got back in the game after like a day. So that kind of yeah. sucked that I had like one, you know, first world problems. I get it. Whatever. Oh, you couldn't play your game for a day. Uh, I get it. I get it. But still, I think I was upset. You're upset because we were having such a good time with it. I really wanted to get back to it. And it was it was a bummer that we got locked out. Yeah, so small one-day lockout, but that's yeah. fine. No big deal. Um, but more importantly, um, yeah, I mean, <laughs> cut to the chase. For me, I played this game since it came out, which was, by the way, 2020. So it was, it's about three years since you What? No, it yeah. hasn't. Mm-hmm. It, this came December out in 2020? 10th. December 10th, 2020. What? That can't be right. It's dude. right. It's 100% right. And it was for. Um, it was around the same time that my PS5 came out because I was excited to get the PS5 and play it on there. And then I couldn't, if you remember, because it was only for PS4. Uh, there was no PS5 upgrade. Do you remember? It was just a PS4 game or oh Xbox God. Series. Oh, my God. S-game. Wow, what? It's been that long? Yeah. I could have swore it was not that long. Which is why every time I, I brought it up and you go like, I'm waiting, I'm like, for what? Well, uh, for this? But for this moment, you are, <laughs> yeah. But yeah, wow. so I've been playing it forever. And even after... You know, I beat it and stuff like that. Uh, there's all this DLC or other side mission stuff that's come out. 
and then there was the Carlos explores the world and tries to get outside of the map stuff that I would do. So yeah, I've just been living in that world for a long time. Um, and then 2.0 is essentially an upgrade of all the main systems. Combat feels better. There's a ton of new stuff. I won't go through all the whole list, but you can right. just play it. It just combat feels better. Uh, melee, which is my main thing. Even you can block bullets with, with your sword, which is fucking cool as shit. Tons of new skill trees. Um, they basically redid all the skill, which is essentially uh, they let you respec at the beginning and go, okay, here we've kind of changed things, you know, put the, the points in where you want them. And then the main thing of 2.0 for me was that they got rid of armor on clothing and they made all the armor within the cyberware. And if you remember watching Edge Runners, which I loved, uh, the anime, a Netflix anime, they really focused on, you know, the cyber updates and the fact that you could take too many of them, become a cyber psycho and stuff. Um, so they really like leaned on that. I feel like that's cool that like they brought the lore more into the actual gameplay. Mm-hmm. So it's not like I got a fancy coat and it's a 200 armor. It's like, no, I went to the Ripper dock and like installed the right thing. And now I'm stronger. You know what I mean? Interesting. I didn't realize that was a change. That's oh, that's a big change. That's okay. a big change. Okay. And here's a funny asterisk note is that Carlos, who had basically broken the game because I played it like 250 hours. Um, and there was all these hacks back in the day. I had clothing was armor, remember? And you can upgrade your clothing back in the day. So I had certain shirts that were like 300 armor by themselves. Oh, wow. Okay. And if you know, this game has like, I don't know, maybe four or 500 is like a really good number. I had like three or 400 on one shirt. So my actual damage or armor defense before this uh, thing went through was 1800. Oh, so you were like, I mean, did it even register damage? Was it zero? No, no, or was I, couldn't it like get, one? I could not get hurt. Couldn't be damaged. I couldn't, couldn't get be damaged. Uh, but I worked hard for that 1800 right, damage. Right. Okay? You put in your time. I did, and I grinded and stuff. So that's gone, right? Gone. And it's just all cyberware. But then as soon as I saw that, you can go ahead and add armor into those slots, which, by the way, I'm telling you for the first time now, but you should do that. Because I have that, done that. Yeah, I did that. Okay, okay, cool. And then you can even upgrade those into like different um upgrades and stuff then on top of that there's skill tree stuff which actually is like skyrim the old skyrim kind of like starfield no actually it's not like starfield it's more like skyrim where if you use a thing over and over again it gets better yes i did notice that yeah which is just a fun side thing you don't need to use it it's a bonus yeah bonus uh and then lastly on 2.0 is the cops are better which we've all been always asking for will they get better will they send more uh you know max forces against you after a while like grand theft auto and then on top of that they're just like not as dumb and also won't just like descend on you even if they don't see you it's like the cop has to be in your vision yeah there are vision vision circles i've seen that yeah yeah yeah. so it just feels more real um all that said that those were all in my opinion just positive change uh changes and then also car combat was one of those things too but before i get into dlc 2.0 did you it's it's funny because you're playing this for the first time. Right. You can't see those differences, but do they feel like they made the world more like believable? Well, okay, so I I mean, I I can't answer that specifically, but what I can say is with me having my first experience with Cyberpunk with 2.0 and with the Phantom Liberty DLC installed, I mean, my first impression of this game was, wow, this is amazing. Like it looks great, it feels great. Everything seems like the world seems great. Um, I didn't notice any any anything wonky. I remember seeing all those videos of weird shit happening. Um, there's been a couple bugs here and there, but like totally like nothing nothing even really worth talking about. 
Yeah. Um, and I just, it just feels very polished and very refined and very well thought out. So I, I don't know what to compare it to, but my first impression is very favorable. Yeah. It's like, you're seeing the clean sheen on it as yeah. you know, fully, but also it's essentially what, for the people who've been playing it for a while, it's an, it's the final upgrade to say like, this is kind of like what we wanted from the very beginning, right? Right, right. Like No Man's Sky, we talked about that before. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and so that's 2.0, and again, I love it. Uh, I think I told you this, one more side note, is that uh, the emergent gameplay seems a little more stronger. So like I was just walking down a street and this car flew by, hit a bunch of pedestrians, it didn't care, kept going, another car was chasing it. They were both shooting at each other. I looked around the corner, an explosion happened, like one car had blown up or something. And then, you know, all this stuff just went on over there. And I was yeah. like, that's just kind of fun to watch, you know? There is definitely stuff that happens that you're not a part of, which you, you can make yourself a part of if you wish. Um, and sometimes people will try to get you involved, too. I don't know how much of this has happened to you, but there's definitely been a few times when I'm just minding my own business and someone will, like, try to start shit with me or, like, you know, I'll, I'll be walking down a street and then someone will think I'm sketchy or something and start some things. So there's definitely a feeling of things happening um, and things going on in the world. I mean, it, it doesn't feel like living, breathing in in the sense that everybody's got their own routine or anything, but it definitely, for me, it definitely clears the bar of stuff going on in the city. Like, I think that's, it's at a very acceptable level for me. That's a good point to bring up because I think what this game does, unlike other games like um, RPGs and stuff, where like, like you said, there's certain characters that give quests or whatever, and they're in the world. This is more like gangs, right they yeah, really yeah, focused yeah. on gangs and so if you're in an area where you shouldn't be in or they don't like like you like like you said they'll approach you and be like get the fuck out of here exactly uh, yeah. which is super fun and also if you're aligned with gangs gangs like i am from like playing it for so long like you can just freely go in in areas you know what i mean right it's like right you, you got mad respect already you've got the you got the props yeah exactly. so that's it's more of that type of game uh but there's still tons of emerging gameplay that comes from that for sure for sure um and then I won't talk about DLC yet, but in general, what do you think about the game, Brad Galloway? All right, so let's let's take a, a step back. So I looked at the, uh, yeah, December tenth, twenty twenty, and it's so it's like a year and a half or something, like all told. I, I've been kind of watching from the sidelines. I knew of it, of course. You and I have talked about it on the show, of course, a million times. Um, and I just, I didn't, you know, I, I've heard things on Twitter and whatever, whatever. But firing it up for the first time, and I, we even talked about this offline, like we texted, we, we talked on the phone about this, was like, it really hit me differently than I thought it was going to. It was a different kind of experience um, for a couple different reasons. Um, just as a quick recap for anybody who doesn't know, I mean, I didn't know, I, I guess. Um, you play a person named V, you can be a male or a female, you're in Night City, and stuff happens. I mean, there's a bunch of quests. It's also kind of like an open world Grand Theft Auto sort of setup, which I wasn't super knowledgeable about i didn't know how the implementation was going to work um but you're you're in the you're in the city to do these quests there's lots of characters you can talk to um and or you can also just do whatever you want which is fine too um so when i started playing this game i gotta say so one thing i love i think i think this game's great i love this game so i'm mm -hmm. definitely on board with you i think this game is really um surprising in a lot of ways and i think it's really mature in a lot of ways even though it is like very immature in some ways uh, but in terms of like the structure of the game the structure of the quests the writing most of the writing i think is really a really 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 above average like it's just really well done um and so that part is great there's also like the other side of it 
which is like the Grand Theft Auto, like run around and do stuff side, which is also pretty interesting in and of itself. But when I started playing the game, I will say um, I don't think this game starts well. I, I found that it was um, a little bit confusing. There's a lot of systems going on that the tutorials just don't really do a good job of explaining. Um, I feel like they started to do quests that kind of like walk you through what the systems of the game are, but I don't feel like they were sufficient. Um, I still had a lot of questions about certain things when I was beginning. And and that goes even as far as how to even play the game. Now, I talked to you and you gave me some good advice, actually, which was when you start the game, just do story quests until you hit a certain point. And then at that point, I'm not going to spoil anything, but it'll become pretty clear that this is a part where you can you feel safe to go do whatever you want to do at this point, which is mm-hmm. fine. So I'm glad you said that, because as I started the game, I got really wrapped up in not really knowing what to do and not really sure where to go and what was the important thing to do and what was not. And they make a big deal of um, talking about, well, I don't know if the game does itself, but I heard a lot of people saying, you know, there is a point of no return and there's certain quests like, you know, if you go too far, you'll miss some things. And so I got kind of freaked out about that. And so I got kind of like lost in the weeds doing some of the side stuff and just wasting time, basically. Um, So I wish that they had had a little bit of a more linear start. Like you can open up the game later on, but I would have appreciated not having as much choice at the beginning a couple quests that really like really drill down on the systems of the game. I, I realize it's hard because some of these systems are new. You know, a lot of these 2.0 systems are brand new. So I wish they would have gone like maybe had some 2.0 specific quests um, that were threaded back to the beginning of the game where it walks you through some of the new stuff, which would be great. I stumbled my way through it. You helped me with a lot of it. I looked up some things online and I kind of figured it out. But even today, I'm, I'm like 15, 18 hours in. And just today, I learned some new stuff that I had no idea was there. And I'm like, oh, fuck, I didn't realize this was a thing. Yeah. Wished I wished I knew that 10 hours ago, you know, that kind of thing. I'll, I'll um, just add one thing is that I think that I agree because when I played it back in, when it first came out, I was a little confused as well because I thought it was like, I knew it was GTA more. But at the same time, I was like, I don't know what I should be focusing on. Yeah, exactly. So I remember that same feeling. And then there's like a huge cutscene thing that goes on that tells you about the past. Yeah. And I thought that felt rushed. It did feel uh, rushed. Even yeah. back in the day. So, like, it, that's yeah. not changed, right? I think that's something that retroactively would be difficult for them to change at this point. Um, so I agree with you there. But then once you hit the main, you know, yes. Yes. thing, it's it's pretty clear on what you should probably do. And if just like Skyrim or some other game, I brought that up twice. Uh, if you just mainline it, I think that's the best way to go. Because then, I agree. And then once you get in the middle and say you're 25 hours in, yeah, you can fuck around like for a week if you want now that sure. you're in it. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, exactly. And I think we should probably say also this is this will be a spoiler free discussion. I'm, I'm not going to spoil anything. We should probably not spoil anything. I'm sure there's a lot of people who are probably looking forward to the DLC or maybe even like me who haven't even played this game. I spoke to several people on Twitter who had never played this game at all. and They were in my same boat. So mm, okay. I think there's definitely people out there who are waiting or just hadn't got around to it yet. So this will be a new jumping on point for a lot of folks so no spoilers no spoilers no spoilers um, but i will say some things about the dlc and i'll say something that's totally that. fine yeah. and maybe if you have anything spoiled we'll put a spoiler warning up but for right now we're just talking about the game in general um so yeah the beginning i thought wasn't great i got a little confused i got a little lost there's a lot of systems going on that i didn't understand fully i wasn't quite sure of what was what and they also do the cyberpunk thing where I, have you ever read any of the, the william gibson books like yeah, back of course. in the day of yeah of course he you know he was famous for like not letting the play the reader in like you know he would just talk about something like you already knew what it was 
and you would have to use context clues or just even just keep reading to figure out what it was he was talking about. And I feel like that was really pretty thick in the beginning where they're dropping a lot of names. They're dropping a lot of um, terms that you might not know. And some of them are pretty easy to figure out. But some of them I'm like, wait, who are we talking about? Like, who was this? What? Like, I'm, you know, a little bit lost. Not so lost that I couldn't progress and, and was confused or anything. But just like, you know, that's that sense of like, OK, I'm not 100 percent sure about what's going on here. But let me say to that, there's also a lot of slang, right? Yeah, that's what like I mean. It's yeah, cream, all things, yeah. And, you know, hey, get out of here, Choom, which yeah. I know all of it now because I've sure. played it for so long. But the point is, I want to actually add to that and say that I like that they actually talk about sticking with your guns or sticking to your guns. The whole world, up until the DLC now, even the DLC, the world is the world, and they talk like they talk. Maybe. And, you know what I mean? Like, there's other games that like just kind of talk like, like we talk, and it's normal, whatever, even though they're in a fantasy world. But this is like, no, no, no. It is difficult to follow sometimes. You have to play a long time, and then you yeah. finally get it. Yeah. But then you know the slang after a while. So it's almost like it makes you work a little bit, kind of to your point about the book, right? Because the book Which doesn't you, give you a had shit. to work to get into those yeah. books too, for sure. Um, so. I'd say it's less work than the book, but I actually appreciate that because I'm like, this is this world. Like they don't give right. a fuck about what you you know how what you call a whatever. It's this how they call it. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, I I, I don't think it's terrible, um, and I don't. I don't necessarily like I don't need like an in-game glossary or anything like that. But just like in certain parts where um, once you get on the main storyline track, I was a little bit confused at certain points about who was who and what was going on. Um, I don't know necessarily how to fix that or maybe that's just inherent to the cyberpunk genre itself. But I mean, not a, not a big deal. It was just like it took me a little while to kind of get on board with what was happening. Yeah, um, I get it. But, you know, once you get it and start playing, uh, once you get on the main story track, I was really, really impressed, honestly. Um with the level of storytelling, the complexity of the quests and the ideas that they put forward. Um, we're, okay, so one side note. Uh, I'm, I'm going to say this now, and I probably won't say it again. Uh, I do not like... Uh, I'm playing female V. You're probably playing male V, I would assume. I am, yeah. Um, I do not like some of my dialogue choices. She comes off as a lot more rude than I would want to be. Maybe that changes as time goes on. But like sometimes I'm doing a dialogue choice and I'm like, I don't want to say either of these things. Neither of these is how I want to play the situation. Yeah. And I get that it's more story based and you're kind of playing a character, which is fine. But there's certain times when I'm like, why the fuck did you say that? Like, why are you like it, it, it's happening less as it goes on? I'm 15, 18 hours in now. But at the beginning, I was like, I don't want to say these things. And that was a little bit difficult. I wish they had. um giving you a little bit more option because it does feel like uh you're playing yourself sometimes but then sometimes it feels like you're playing v and you, they kind of go back and forth a little bit narratively i think yeah they what, what do you think needle. about that yeah 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 because i think that it's it, it's i think in general now that i played 250 hours or something i <laughs> i slash anybody who plays that much of it uh hopefully you will someday is you are v and so yeah. that really is the answer like that's what i think too that's you're making too. choices for v this character female or male and that character is kind of harsh and kind of like hardened because this world is hardened yeah. you know this is night city it's a fucked up place shit's going down everywhere all the time another kind of thing that is an asterisk i love the world building that they did it just all feels real like it feels like a real place um and so i think that that character is a harsh character and it's just like that's kind of it and you can yeah. make some choices within it and it does change. There's definitely like lots of endings and lots of different people you can be with or not. But yeah, I think that's the, the answer. 
Yeah, I, I agree too. And I, I think that in that sense, I would have liked a few more options because sometimes you only get like one or two things to say. And I'm like, well, I don't want to say that. And I, you know, yeah. but whatever, you just kind of roll with it. But that aside, um, I feel like we're going to say this a lot and I, I'm sure we're going to win some fans for saying this, but like play, <laughs> playing this after we just got done playing Starfield. Starfield. I knew you were going to bring it up. Yeah. Is such an amazing experience. It is such an amazing experience because I'm trying to think of something that's really, really harsh and insulting I can say about Starfield and everything I've come up with is not strong enough because with all the props and all the cheerleading that Starfield is getting this year, uh, I realized Cyberpunk had some issues. It's got a 2.0. It's had some time in the cooker. I get it. I get it. But like, apart from all that stuff, looking at just the quests, the quest design, the stuff you do in the quests, the way that you approach the characters in that game, the way that they build up the characters, the people that you get to know, the 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 whole point of the world and the way that you just associate with things is like is like Starfield is like a broken crayon and Cyberpunk is like an oil painting in a gallery. OK, like, there you go. I was waiting for the metaphor. That's it. Yeah, yeah. it's like it's so far beyond what anything happens in Starfield, dude. It's like a joke. I was going to say night and day, but that's not far enough apart. It's not far enough apart, dude. It's not far enough apart. It's like, it's so far removed. It's so far above Um, the nuance in the writing, the the, the depth of character, the way that they have quiet scenes, the way that you have people where you just talk to and you just kind of vibe off them for a while. The way that you, the stuff that you do in your quests is not, not every quest in cyberpunk is go to a place, kill 75 dudes, grab a doodad and come back. Like there's very little of that. Like there's been a lot of going to talk to somebody or you go and negotiate a situation or you go to find something or you do. There's all these different like ways that you can uh, approach people. Um, and I'm just like <laughs> everybody that's celebrating Starfield right now. I need you to go back and play cyberpunk because it is so basic. It is so fucking pumpkin spice latte basic compared to like cyberpunk's shit it's like they're not even on the same level dude not even anywhere on the same level to that point i wrote down animatronic versus like realness yeah because animatronic is what bethesda feels like and they've always felt like that and you know yeah and yeah. i've still enjoyed the games uh but yeah it's like night and day in the fact that like this is a quest and it's actually just a quest and in cyberpunk it's like a moment yeah. I, said, I said the weight of the moment. You just said that too. I had a moment, which is minor spoiler for a moment somewhere in the game, okay? It's not a spoiler really, but it's more like I just went to go have a drink with someone at a bar, mm-hmm. you know? And then like the jukebox was on. And if I decided I could go drink, I could go dance with that person, you yeah. know? Or yeah. I could not, you know? Yeah. And because I decided to, there was a cool moment where they're like, you don't dance ever, do you? And I was like, no, I don't. Hmm. Um, and then, you know, whatever, we went back and talked more and that's the quest. You know, like that was just yeah. The that's thing. it. That's the quest exactly. And it exactly. felt fucking great. And then I went outside and it was raining, and I was like, "Oh shit, that was a moment." Exactly. And that's yeah. I think why I've always loved this game so much, and we're finally kind of crystallizing it. Is that it? Similar to other Bethesda games in the past too, Skyrim and stuff. Like I have had those moments, um, and that's what this game has a ton of. You know, right? Right. I agree. Yeah. I, I mean, and to be perfectly frank, I don't feel like Bethesda is good at those moments. They are good at mechanical dog going after bone fetch quest like really like grindy mechanical stuff which is great for some people i you know it's a thing it's a thing if you like that thing that's great yeah it's never really worked for me and it's ironic that the, my favorite fallout game is new vegas because that's the one that they didn't do um i'm not really a fan of bethesda in general because i don't think their writing is very good i mean they've had moments for sure 
I'm not saying they never have, but it's not their forte. It's not their strength. But like within the first day of playing Cyberpunk, I was already I already had way more moments than I had in like my six or seven hours of Starfield, right? Like one of the initial quests, um, kind of like you're describing, I think I mentioned this to you already offline, was you go to negotiate with these punks for some stuff. I'm not going to spoil anything here, but like you end up just like sitting down and talking to them. And like that talk that you have with those people, super tense, dude. I was like sweating and I was nervous and I'm like, oh my God. Like, and I, I actually thought to myself, I am, I am feeling something. I'm having a physical visceral reaction to what is going on here. And I've had several, I've had many so far. Um, as opposed to like the time that I was like brainlessly kicking, clicking buttons on Starfield and just like fast travel here and here's a thing and I'm going to hoover up this loot and I'm going to go back to my thing and I'm going to do my thing. And it's like I felt fuck all nothing in, in all the hours I put into to Starfield. And within the first day, the first session, I was already feeling feelings. And that is worth something. That is worth yeah. noting that, you know, and this has nothing to do, to, do with 2.0. I'm sure this was probably there beforehand, but I'm just coming to it now. But the, just the, just the approach just the knowledge of like how humans interact how you feel something how you see something what does it mean emotionally how do you relate to people that's at the forefront of cyberpunk and it's nowhere on the radar of starfield that's true and there's yeah to that point without a spoiler but there's companion quests in this yeah and the companion quests again are so much more rich and detailed and heartfelt than anything i did in the companion quest in starfield just to bring them up because again we're giving kudos to CD project. We are, but like there's uh, a woman you can romance and you go on a thing with her. And at the end of it, you find out about her childhood and stuff. Right. And you find out about her hometown. And it's just, when you're done with that and driving home and it's sunset, that's a feeling, man. You know, like it gives yeah. you these vibes. Yeah. And that, it's also, I'll say this too, we're just throwing, what is it? Coals on, what is it? You're throwing stones fuel on, top on the of fire, the, fuel on the fire is that the set pieces some are uh, in cyberpunk are like you know the best i've ever played in a they're game. like incredible yeah they're incredible and you haven't even seen brad you haven't even seen oh no i'm scratching the surface i'm I nowhere know. yet i'm because nowhere i just played one in D dlc which is not a spoiler um and it was one of my favorite set pieces ever and it was in the just in the dlc and one of my favorite set pieces ever ever is in the you know in quotes ending of the main campaign yeah so yeah. it's just there's so many moments where you're like this is just so so much so well, and, yeah, too, dude, hundred percent. And even all the small stuff, like I started doing um, before I got on the podcast today. I'm like, oh, I got to record a minute. I didn't want to start a big quest, so I was doing some of the small, like, you know, scattered throughout the city quests or the gigs or whatever, you know. Mm -hmm. And one of them was just, it was just funny. It was just really funny. Like, and that was the point of it. It was you needed to go here. You did a funny thing, and that was your quest. Like, just the just the very approach of a developer to say, we're going to do this this other thing. Like, you're going to have an experience, and that's what we're delivering to you. That is so valuable. And I just, you know, <laughs> that just wasn't anything that I saw on display in Starfield. I mean, I hear people praising it and I know a lot of our friends like it and that's fine. I'm not going to I'm not going to take it away from you. But I I just have to say, like, from a, an objective standpoint, looking at these two things, one of these things is clearly more advanced and more sophisticated than the other. Not yeah. that they're both not that you can't enjoy them both, but they're just so different. And one is just way out of the park and one is just like barely getting going so. watch here i'm gonna put a silver lining on that for anybody who like hates us for saying that stuff because it's just you know in our opinion is the objective truth it's just the objective truth um is that you know there's it's kind of like a switch game and a, and a console game like in a playstation or xbox game in my opinion it's like 
yeah, you could just enjoy that. Like yeah. you can enjoy Starfield like a ton and do shit. Yeah, you can absolutely. You know what I mean? Absolutely. It's yeah. a Switch game, in my opinion, versus Cyberpunk. Like it's not that 3D world with believable characters and a place I want to exist in all the time. Like there's a Cyberpunk world in, Sci- in Starfield. Last thing about them, and it's like you know, it's obviously just taking Night City. I mean, it looks you know neon just, neon, city, neon city. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's just not. It's a small town. It's like literally like three streets. You know, and like you go into an apartment building, there's like one apartment open. <laughs> and in this place, you could like be in the, like a ghetto somewhere and go into an apartment complex and all the doors, most of them you can open and you go yeah. in there and see things and find weird shit and find a quest. It's oh, just yeah. like, it's like not even a world, you know, it's like, a yeah. fake, it's like, a, what's it called? Like um, uh, Disney World or something. Where like a, It's like a fake set. It's like a fake town where the, you see the front of the building, but there's yes. nothing behind it. Yeah. Yeah. And again, it's just fun for that sake, but it's just a different yeah. kind of game. Well, you know, coming to it as a, as a newcomer, I'm actually really um, relieved in a way because so many people were having um, negative responses, you know, whether that's right or wrong, whatever, but it was just the fact. And, you know, they launched too early. I think people would, would probably argue that. But now that it's here, um, being such a fan of The Witcher 3, which is, I mean, very possibly my favorite game of all time, uh, you know, standards have been set, you know, expectations have been set. I was really worried that cyberpunk wouldn't match that or wouldn't be as good an experience as that. And I don't know, you know, when all is said and done, I don't know whether I'm going to like cyberpunk more than the Witcher, but I am very relieved to see that they have really given a lot of the same attention to detail, a lot of the same attention to the quests, a lot of the same nuance that I really enjoyed in the Witcher is here as well. So I was, I was really worried about that. It wasn't, it seemed like kind of a a left turn for them to do something like this, but I am hitting some of that CD project red richness, you know? Yeah. The storytelling too, right? Yeah, exactly. You you want, remember, I remember Witcher, we really enjoyed those side quests. I was like, Oh man, they were good. They're all good. Yeah. That one with the the ghost woman in the tower, like so many were like, wow. Um, But I want to say one more thing because I forgot the 2.0 brings up uh, three things. 2.0 2.0 allows you to go to the spaceport, which okay. is where the shuttles take off, the rockets. Um, I may have a video going up uh, on Glitch to the Ground. Check it out on TikTok. Because you could never go there. And that was a really big deal to me, to us nerds who have been playing it for 200 hours. And then also lack of empathy, that side quest that was always bugged is fixed. Okay, good. Oh, good. Excellent. That was my last one out of 200 hours that never right. fixed. I knew you were waiting on that one. It fixed. And lastly, uh, you can play... Uh, Three no, uh, two new video games because you can play many of them. There's a tons of arcades in this game, in this thing. Before you know, if you were playing vanilla old school, you can play you can play any of the games. Mm. And I thought that was the dumbest thing ever because there's all these arcade games. Right. Yeah. Then in they introduced like a few years ago, a couple years ago, they introduced one game. It was a horse game, uh, which is funny because I think it's based on the horse Roach. It's a Roach. Yeah. Yeah. And then just now with 2.0, you can play two new games, I believe. Yeah, two new games. And one of them is like Doom. Oh, that's funny. So it's Cyberpunk Doom, and I'm playing that one right now, and that's fun. That's so, funny. A couple updates. Uh, yeah, overall, though, you like it. Yeah, I think it's really great. I'm really I'm really into the – I think the story quests are, are fantastic. Um, I think the characters are really great. I've, I've had a lot of moments. I've had a lot of, like, really interesting interactions with people. Um, I think that's all really, really well done. And, again, I don't have anything to compare it to, but, I mean, the combat to me – feels great we didn't um, even talk about it are you shooting or are you melee i'm kind of going back and forth between both dude i find so far well so this kind of gets back to the beginning right i feel like the beginning of the game didn't get off too well and i was really kind of mystified by a lot of stuff in the 
in the um, the gun system and the upgrade at crafting. Um, I don't think crafting belongs in this game. I don't think it has. No, a it never it. has, by the way. I played it 250 hours. It never has. So. Yeah, I don't think crafting should be here. I think the upgrade system is okay, but I wish they had explained it better. That was the thing that I just figured out this morning where I knew upgrading was a thing, but I wasn't sure how to go about it. And I just now put the pieces together. So I'm like, oh, the light bulb went off. Um, so I wish they had done that better. Upgrading, yes. Crafting, no. That's dumb. You can ignore it. It doesn't belong here. Uh, and there's other systems too. Like I'm doing the the skill tree. And at first, I didn't think that I wanted to be a hacker. But the more that I play, I think that maybe I do. Um, That's essentially and, the stealth option because you can like take out whole bases just by hacking. Yeah, yeah. And I, I feel like that whole thing should be, um, again, another quest that kind of explains that a little bit more because... I, I bought some stuff and I couldn't use it and I wasn't sure why I couldn't use it. And I was just, just, just kind of mystified about the whole thing. I figured it out now, of course, but um, that could have been better. But now that I've, I've gone through it, I think I'm going to respec. Mm. Um, I, you can do it. You get one free respec from the menu, but you said you can do it in other ways too, right? Well, on the DLC, it lets you, I think, as well. Okay. And okay. you can pay for it later as well. So Okay. Think, so yeah. I'm probably going to respec maybe once I get a little further in. I'm not too far off, but... As I'm kind of figuring out what I like to do and what I don't like to do and how the game works, I'm going to do like a slight, a slight tweak. I really do like um, combat hacks where you can do different things to people when you're fighting them. Like you can turn their eye implants off or you can turn their guns off or, um, you know, make them overheat in the middle of battle or something, which is pretty cool. So I, I'm leaning into that a little bit. I do like I have not been too impressed with the Mantis Claws like, or the Mantis Blades. I got those. They're OK. I mean, it's, it's fine. Um they look cool, but I find a lot of weapons that are just straight up better than those. Yeah. And I think I may get rid of those just to put more cyber stuff in my arm that the, that the blade is taking up the space for right now. I know I had them, and, they, and the DLC introduces a whole new skill tree just for them. Oh, really? So okay. they really were like, hey, do you want to try these again, you know? So yeah. I will say that if you have DLC, you know, whatever. But I have a, 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 a knife, right, or a katana yeah. that destroys compared to it, so... Yeah, I think maybe they look really cool, but I think that I'm just I'm just finding stuff that's just straight up better. So I may do that, but I'm going back and forth between, um, yeah, half and half, dude. I think half and half. Um, but again, I think my big concern is just I wish they explained things better. Like I was doing some of the cyber psycho stuff where I just did not realize you're supposed to like neutralize them as opposed to kill them from the first time. So I killed the first guy and I felt bad about that. And then I figured it out afterwards. But then it was like, well, how do I neutralize somebody? Like I needed, I needed a quest where the lady's like, here are your three options. Now that you know how to do this, choose to do it or not. Like I wasn't, I didn't even know what I was doing in the beginning. And so fuck that up a little bit. And there was another thing that I didn't understand either. Um, To make you feel better. I think I killed every cyber psycho ever. Did you, does it, does it change the ending? No, I don't think so. No. Oh, okay. Well, I, you just gotta get, you gotta get rid of them. You know, it's either you rehabilitate them or they die. Yeah, exactly. Well, I, I I neutralized, like knocked them out once I figured out how to do that. But right. that could have been a whole quest in itself. And there's a couple other aspects of where I'm just like, oh, like I, <laughs> I went to the shooting range, for example. It's one of the earlier quests. You go to the there's a guy who has a gun shop and this is this would have been a perfect place to put some tutorials, but they didn't, which is weird. So you go to this gun shop. It's a shooting range contest. And I kept failing it over and over and over. And I'm like, why am I failing this fucking it's like one of the earliest quests. And I look it up and they didn't explain like they're like, shoot the targets. They didn't say shoot the targets a million times. So like these targets were popping up. I was shooting them one time, knocking them down. And I kept coming in last place. And I look at uh, like a YouTube video. He's like, yeah, I get this automatic pistol and fire 10 shots to each target. I'm like, oh, 
Well, you didn't say uh, that. Like, yeah. I had no idea that was what I was supposed to do. I was shooting the targets. You didn't say anything about how many times. And and along with that, I think the UI needs some work. I know they redid the UI. I still think it needs work because I find it really hard to tell what the properties of a gun are. Like, I had a pistol that's a really good automatic pistol. I had no idea it was automatic until I watched a YouTube video. I'm like, oh, that really cool gun you've got? I've got that. I wasn't using it. I didn't know it was good. Mm. Um, they need to, like, outline some of that stuff more, like... Um, I can't tell what's what. And there's certain things I would like highlighted. But I mean, those are like kind of quibbles. Like um, they're not like complaints or anything. Just they kind of add to that general sense of like, I don't know what I'm doing in the beginning. But now that I've gotten through and I've figured out a few more things, like it's it's a it's a pretty amazing game. I'm really enjoying it. Uh, I'm pretty glued to it so far. And I'm really I'm looking forward to playing more and advancing some of the stuff. Uh, I just I think it's really great. I think it's really great. And it's just head and shoulders above, um, you know, that other game we're not going to mention right now. It's, it's so far beyond it. It makes me laugh like it's funny. It's funny I, to me. And it's funny. It's a comedy. Uh, but I think we really did explain the reasoning is, is again, it's this, this world and these characters that you were like, get kind of entrenched in. And also, I, I think, uh, and feel real. But I also think the combat, just for me, it's like so visceral and fun. It's way better. Um, yeah, it's, it's even fun. Even when you I can pick up it. a gun, yeah. like I told you the other day, like um, I don't normally pick up guns, but there was a bug for a while where I couldn't use my melee, which sucked. Uh, I think it's fixed. Um, but then I just picked up a gun I haven't shot in forever. And I was like, this feels really good, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. but the melee, yeah, I'm Mr. Melee. Like it just feels beautiful. Yeah. Like, melee is great. Melee is great. Gunplay is great. I mean, it feels good. I mean, everything about it is, is really well done. I mean, it, yeah, again, not to keep doing comparisons, but like they, they, it feels different to play this than it does other games. And I think that works really well. So, so let me say two quick things about the DLC and then we'll wrap it up. Okay. Um, the, I can't say there's not really a spoiler, but Idris Alba is in the game, obviously in the. DLC. Oh yeah, he's in all the he's advertising. All the ads. Yeah. Um, I will say that I don't like him. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I. I don't like the actual person. I don't know who he is. I'm sure he's a lovely person. You don't like his character um, in the game. I don't like his character in the game, and I don't really even see why it had to be him, the actor. Um, again, it, it's great likeness or whatever. Uh, I'm not even like the biggest fan. So if you're like you know, loving him in general, then this would be great for I you. I think he's, they just put him in because I think he's a thirst trap. Right. That's what I'm saying. I guess yeah. if, you're, if you're thirsty for him, then fine. Um, but I also like minus, even if it was him and a different actor or actress, I just don't like that character. Yeah. Okay. So that's kind of stinky because like a lot of it revolves around that person. So I don't like that. Um, I fucking love the DLC though. So that's an interesting kind of dichotomy. And the other biggest con and the only kind I have, because I'm almost done with the DLC, by the way, is that it, right now, currently, as of September uh, 24th, uh, there's a bug where, who am I, Mr. Melee? If you do a strong melee attack, hard crash. In one specific mission? No, no, no. In anywhere ever. Oh, what? Right now. Seriously? Yes, right now. Oh, wow. I okay. can't strong attack. And... Up until now, that was my main way to attack. I would just go up to someone and go strong attack, head off, and just knock their head off. Yeah. Um, I can't do that anymore. I can only have to just do regular light attacks. That seems like a pretty major bug. I haven't heard it's anybody else talking massive. about that. massive. I saw it on Twitter. Um, it might Maybe it's not every weapon, but for me, it's been almost every weapon. And so I just get really afraid, uh, and I don't hold it down too long. That said, my light attacks, I annihilate everyone anyhow. But I can't do the main clean. Oh, we gotta one. fix that. Yeah. yeah. Well, maybe it's a good time for you to just uh, become Mister Mister Gun Shooty for a while. No, I just do light attacks. All right. All <laughs> I right. like it enough. Oh, and lastly, lastly, is they added a critical hit, 
which they never had before with melee. So mm. if you, after you do a bunch of enough hits, it goes like finisher, and you hit oh, a finisher, okay. and oh, it feels good. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. I fucking love Excellent. this game. I love the DLC. The DLC is fucking awesome. I've had special moments in it. Uh, I love it. Okay, so let's put a pin in this for now. Yeah. Um, let's come back the next time you're in the show, whether that's next week or the week after. Whenever it is you come back, let's give a definitive score for the Phantom of Liberty uh, DLC. Wait till you finish it. Come back. Give I us a will. Score. Yeah, you can because you will be um, a while for now. It'll be, it'll be hours and hours and hours for me. But I will say, as someone who is coming to this game fresh, I'm extremely impressed. I think it's really, really well done. I think it's better than I thought it was going to be. Uh, great writing, great quest design great dialogue uh it's just pretty much a kick-ass cd project red game which i'm really happy about so i'm going to dig deep into this carlos is going to finish the dlc we'll come back and talk about it some more and uh but so far absolutely a thumbs up for sure i'm so glad you're liking it would you call it preem it's pretty preem it's, it's pretty, pretty preem chum yeah. yeah thanks chum i'm glad i'm glad chum <laughs> all right let's delta let's delta out of this let's podcast although this. before we delta oh let's just start adding that like slang to the show before we delta before we delta can we talk about a couple of things really yeah quickly? i got a, i got a couple of things what do you got that's non-game related or game adjacent or whatever you got what do you got everybody needs to watch and finish binge watch it's perfect binge watching the show the other black girl it's oh yeah yeah it's so on our list good. it's on yeah. our list okay uh it's if you like get out there you go that's it that's my that's my thing if you like All get right. out which why wouldn't you it's fucking fantastic sure uh it's important i think this fucking show is important as well as it's a horror mystery show. Uh, it's actually more mystery than horror. You would think it'd be like, it starts off kind of scary a little way, but it's not like a scary monsters and ghosts thing. It's just kind of creepy as hell. And then it gets like more mystery and more like what the fuck's going on, you know? Yeah, the trailer looked pretty killer. We're going to we're gonna hit it as soon as we finish uh, some other shows. Yeah. I finished the finale last night, so okay. I just like the statement they basically get to at the end of it too. Mm-hmm. Um, beautiful. Everybody go watch it. Excellent. Um, and also over the garden wall. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay, so everybody says that. Oh, yeah. They say this is the fall season. Time to watch it. I never finished it. Oh, really? I watched What's it when it first came out me? a while ago. Yeah, I know. It's, it's, I love it. Elijah Wood, whatever. It's fucking great. It feels like it, adventure time, but fantasy, but like fall. Did you finish it now? No, I'm, I'm in the middle of it now. Cause like, oh, okay. Yeah. It was like they, two episodes I didn't finish. And I was like, They take a shit. big... I'm not going to spoil anything. I mean, I don't know if you've just been spoiled on it already, it but there's definitely... So, yeah. There's, there's stuff... I there. love it. So finish that. Yeah. I fucking Garden love Wall. it. Yeah. Good stuff. All right. That's cool. It. All right. Um, for me, one good and one bad. I feel like I need to do a PSA for a movie called Better Watch Out. Uh, my wife and I really love horror comedy. It's one of our favorite genres. And we were in the mood to watch one for a date night. We had a date night on Friday. We're like, oh, you know, kids, oh. kids occupied. Mom and dad can go out and get some tacos. We had some fucking killer tacos, dude. Oh, oh my no, god, tacos! Oh fuck, dude, the tacos were so good. The best tacos I've ever had in Seattle, I think. Um, I was raving, raving about those tacos to anybody that would listen. Anyway, we got home and we're like, okay, let's have some ice cream. Let's watch a movie. Let's do that. And we we had like a million things on our list, and we're like, oh, let's you know, let's pick one. We picked a movie called Better Watch Out. The trailer is extremely misleading and i they did it intentionally and i hate them for it uh, so i'm gonna i'm gonna spoil this movie so if you don't want to be spoiled on better watch out then skip ahead a minute uh, but i feel like it is my duty as a citizen of the world to let people know how misleading that trailer is when you watch the trailer it seems like um a slightly darker version of home alone it seems like there's um kids who are getting babysat by their babysitter 
they get home invaded by creepos and then you see the kids um they even reference home alone a couple times they do the stuff from home alone but like for real like somebody getting hit with a can of paint in the face would fucking kill them not just knock them for a loop you know what i mean yeah so they do that's what the trailer looks like and we're like okay that seems kind of fun kids running around home alone shenanigans kill a couple bad guys that seems like a good time super not what that movie is even close um, okay so just to spoil it really quickly because uh we watched this movie and i felt like my soul was stained afterwards for watching oh, this movie geez. um so what happens is it's not about that um even though the trailer wants you to believe that what happens is one of the kids is a fucking stone cold sociopath and he is actually the killer and most of the movie is him enacting his um schemes his little sadistic schemes on everybody in the house. And so he's like stabbing people, his friends. What? It's like this weird fucked up, like just scheme that he had to get revenge on people and to act out his sexual fantasies and stuff. Terrible. And it was just, it was gross. We felt super gross. We did not, the trailer doesn't make it at all seem like that's what it is, but it is. They catch you by surprise because you think this kid is going to be like the kid you're rooting for. And actually he turns out to be a complete psychopath. Um, and when we saw the reveal, we were almost going to bounce, but we're like, okay, so maybe he'll get his comeuppance or maybe it'll turn around. And no, the movie is one of those movies that I really dislike where it's really, really sadistic and mean spirited where you just watch a bad guy doing bad stuff to people for basically the entire movie. Oh, I hate it. Fucking hate it. Fucking hated it. I hated it. I felt really bad. I felt gross and dirty afterwards. My wife felt gross and dirty. We both were very disappointed that we ruined our date night by watching that fucking movie. So just as a heads up to anybody who may have watched this, if you, I know I talk about horror comedy a lot. Um, I know this is kind of seems like in the bucket, but this was a definite bait and switch on the part of that trailer. That trailer makes it look like a completely different movie. And that is not what the movie is. And I felt very um, hoodwinked and betrayed. And I did not appreciate that at all. So fuck that movie. Fuck that movie. Uh, Fuck that movie. Um, yeah, don't do that. Don't bait and switch your people like that. That's not Especially cool. Especially on date night. What the hell? Yeah, that was really unfortunate. So we, that sucked. That sucked. So yesterday we're like, okay, yesterday was a wash. Let's just watch a movie and get that taste out of our mouth because that was just really gross. So we ended up watching Boys of County Hell. This was recommended by Trashylvania. Good friend on Twitter and now on Blue Sky. I love Trash. He's a good guy. Um, this is about, it's an Irish movie. It's about a cairn like a a pile of stones in an irish field that's kind of like a tourist attraction people come and knock it over and why that's bad is it was holding like this thousand year old vampire underneath it and so when he gets uh unleashed he gets you know goes back to the town shenanigans ensue but this is actually a really cool movie because number one it's irish and so like the approach of the whole movie is different it's from different country different sensibilities uh the landscapes and stuff are fucking hella beautiful it made me want to go to ireland like immediately Mm. um and also the vampire i guess is based on a true irish legend it's a very different interpretation of vampire than you would think i'm not going to spoil anything but like it's not just about bite you on the neck and you burn up in daylight and stuff like there the rules were totally different and everything about the movie was just very very different it was still a vampire technically but not any vampire that you probably have interacted with and in one point this is not a spoiler this is like in the in the trailers but like um the vampire is so powerful that when he walks through the town people start like spontaneously bleeding and all the blood Jeez. runs through the ground towards him oh and he just like absorbs it at a distance fucking gross and creepy as fuck dude that's pretty fucking cool too it's yeah it was cool and it was also it was also a comedy there's funny funny bits there was laughs it was a cool vampire 
cool scenery. It was a great movie. Boys of County Hell is a great movie, and right. I'm really thankful to Trash for uh, rep- uh, not representing that, for recommending it. Um, so watch that. Watch that if you want to watch a horror comedy. Do not watch Better Watch Out. Oh, uh, watch, watch that. And also upload season three. Do you remember Upload? Did you ever watch it? I love it? Upload. Is it up? It's coming up October 20th. Which oh, is I'm soon. so excited. I'm so excited. I love so Upload, So we dude. might have mentioned on the show, but right now is a perfect time to binge Upload Season 1 and 2. Oh, those are so good. Uh, the Both seasons are great. I, I also agree. So it's on Amazon Prime Video. Not sponsored, but go check it out because Upload Season 3 is coming soon. Oh, I got to go tell the wife. It's another game soon. Okay, good. October We're very 20th. excited about that. Yeah. Okay, excellent, excellent. All right. I got nothing else. You got anything else? That's it. Let's, let's Delta. All right, let's Delta. That's a show. Uh, let's see. Also, folks, if you wouldn't mind, I'm going to keep asking. If you'd leave a review, give us a share on social media. Maybe most important of all, recommend us to a friend. That'd be greatly appreciated. Also, we want to get your questions and comments. Hit us up, Podcast at gmail.com. Or you can hit us up individually. Carlos, where are we directing your traffic this week? Here's my impassioned plea to follow me on my new accounts. Glitch to the ground is what I call it because, you know, I play games wrong. Now, are you saying glitch to the ground or glitch through the ground through the ground ground. okay so it's gttg glitch through the ground yeah got it you can just google search that i think it works now but anyways it's uh, my whole moniker is i play games wrong which i talk about on the show all the time uh the recent video i just put up is and Baldur's gate i got a cat drunk i saw that yeah i successfully did it it actually was a thing and the cat really was drunk um so glitch to the ground on TikTok, but also on YouTube, we just had our first hundred subscribers. Hey, right on! Congratulations. Yeah, so it's a brand new uh, account. You know, I'm starting. So there we go. It's on YouTube, uh, glitch to the ground, and also TikTok. All right, excellent. As for me, uh, it's mostly Instagram, Twitter, and Blue Sky these days. You can hit me any one of those places. It's my name, B R A D G A L L A W A Y. All A's, no O's. And that is going to do it for episode three five five. Thank you so much again for joining us here on the Soviet Games Podcast, and we'll see you next week. We'll see you next week, Jooms.